Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to uh, Know Your Gear QA number 204. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always feel weird now. It's like 204. It's so many episodes. Uh, so lots of you already joined. Uh, 300 plus of you already here. And uh, I already have some pinned questions uh, from some people who came early, left some super chats early, left some comments early. Of course, we try to hit the first question of the day. The first question was from uh, Jeff Harper, who said, uh, Phil, how good are lower priced lag guitars? I like lag guitars. Uh, when I was a, a dealer, I had lag guitars as a brand, and I always liked them. In fact, I have a video on my Phil McKnight 2 channel, there, a video uh, talking about my buddy Skip and how I bought him a lag guitar uh, and set it up. And that one was a very inexpensive guitar. I think that guitar was like $199, $299. So I've always liked the lag guitars. That being said, they're also a brand of guitars, especially in those price points where there's a ton of brands that are that good. That's the problem with a lot of guitars, acoustic and electric, between the price point of, let's say, $200 to $500. And that's just a, such a weird, narrow price point to talk about, but it is a price point that seems like I can tell you, if somebody asked me, like, your question, Jeff, you're like, is lag good at two to, let's say, $500? Yes. So is Washburn. So is Fender. I mean, there's a lot of brands because they're essentially contracting them from the same factories uh, to get the same kind of quality and putting their spin on it. Lag guitars, the cool thing about lag guitars, if you don't know, is they round, I don't know why I'm showing you my arm right here. Hey, look at my arm. Uh, it's uh, rounded corners. They round the sides off. Um, they, they feel great for that reason. Uh, it's really nice. And it's not like some of the Washburns and the Taylors where they put like an arm carve on the guitar. That's not what I'm talking about. They just round the corners over and it looks beautiful, but it feels Really nice. Just a really nice kind of extra step of quality there. So, yeah. Uh, are they good? Yeah. The ones I've experienced? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. I'd recommend them. How about that? Bob uh, did a, uh, a, a, not a super chat, but he sent me a question during the week and um, I wanted to address it because it was an interesting question. He said, uh, hey, um, he's a lefty. And that's what I know sometimes the lefties have a lot of questions and we don't get to the lefties. So, uh, but his question really hit home and here's what it was. He says, Hey, I'm a left-handed guitarist, which means there's limited color choices. And I'm, he has a hankering for a candy apple red tele, tele, telecaster. I know I need to refinish it myself. He says, so could I buy a used Fender American made telly, a used Fender Mexican made telly, or build a, a kit part caster, you know, like a telecaster out of parts. Um, and uh, he basically said, um, I know people rarely never get their money back when they do a kit build. Will refinishing a used Fender Telecaster crash any value? I'm trying to... Hold on. <laughs> I'm trying to ponder whether I really want Fender on my headstock. How much uh, does it matter? Here, here's a good idea. So this is why I want to talk about this. There is an option. There's an option that he's not considering, and I wanted to talk about that. And it's something in between the Fender buy, buying the Fender, and buying the kit. And that is, you can buy... What's great about a lefty, uh, left-handed player is, it's the body that's the problem. You know what I mean? Um, sure, if you buy a right-handed neck and you put it on a left-handed guitar, the dots are not going to be facing the right way, <laughs> the side dots. But you have to think to yourself, do you really use the side dots? Some players do need them. Some players, not so much. So that being said, you can buy a Fender 
aftermarket neck left-handed. You can buy it right-handed and just put it on a left-handed guitar. It won't matter. You'll have a reverse headstock. That's kind of cool. You can um, you can buy a main Mexico or Fender Telecaster and cannibalize it instead of refinish it. And here's what I would suggest. One of those two options, buy your Made in America, Made in Mexico Fender, it's up to you. Either buy the neck from Fender, right? Or go to stratosphere.com and buy a aftermarket neck, in other words, where they've cannibalized the guitar themselves. Buy that neck. You, you get the Fender logo, you get the Fender feel, you'll have the neck you want. Now go to Warmoth and buy a candy apple red left-handed telebody. That's what I would do. Go to Warmoth. Now, here's why I suggest this. Uh... The resale value won't matter. Here's why. If you were able to sell it, sure, you can try and sell it as a complete package with your, you know, your, your bridge, your pickups, your body, and your neck. See what the market will give you. But you could also then, of course, cannibalize it back down to parts again. You'll get pretty much what you paid on the neck, especially. Uh, even, it's weird. Necks really do not devalue too much in the resale market. The body, you'll take a hit on. But again, you'll recoup some costs if that's something you want to do. That's what I would suggest you do. Go that route. You'll get premium uh, premium guitars. You can do it all warm off if you want, but... I understand the, the need. You have to understand, there are so many guitars on the market, famous, famous guitars that say Fender, that say Charvel, that say Jackson, that say Hamer, that say all kinds of brands, and they're warm off bodies with those necks. Uh, it's very, it's very common. Kramer, we already, uh, 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 Dave the Snake uh, Sabo was on the channel and, and he even said the original guitar, the Kramer that he played was a Warmoth body. I think it was a Chandler neck and a Warmoth body, or maybe it was a Chandler body and a Warmoth neck. And then later they put the Kramer neck on it. You could be just like a rock star. <laughs> you can literally get your Fender neck and stick it on a good Warmoth body. Here's why I saying Warmoth too, by the way. That's not a kit build to me. Okay, if you buy a Warmoth uh, body and you buy a Warmoth neck or you buy a Warmoth body and a Fender neck and you put it together, uh, it's that's not really a hard afternoon. You know, <laughs> they're going to go together really nicely. It's very easy. You can send your bridge. If, if you have limited skill set, you can send your, your bridge, whatever bridge you're going to use, you can send that to Warmoth and they'll actually put it on the body for you. They'll send it to you, I think, with the bridge back off the body and you have to install it, but they'll drill all your holes and do that stuff. I think you can even buy the bridge from them. And if you buy the bridge from them, they'll, of course, do all the mounting stuff on a telly and, and it'll be all set to go. Like I said, it'll come together in, in, an, in an afternoon. A Telecaster build, I've done a few, obviously. And so, you know, I, I've talked, Crimson Guitars is another great company to get bodies from, but, you know, I, I'm assuming you're in the States and it's easy that way. But either way, go with a high-end company like those companies, get that body, get it painted the way you wanted, put the fender neck on it, put your components in it, pick your pickups. Great. And of course, you can always just buy a fender made in Mexico Strat or Tele and then cannibalize it. And then same thing. And like I said, put it all back together when you're done. That's what I suggest to Bob. So that's a thought. Uh, I want to say Koang... Koang, I'm sorry, buddy. Koang Ho says, loving the second channel, by the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you. The channel, second channel, if you guys have noticed, it gets lots of videos. It's because it's getting a lots of the uh, le least pr less performing videos over time. And that's where I'm going to start doing more of that stuff. And you'll see that start edging up really quickly, especially with some changes coming. If you notice, as that channel has been ramping up with videos, you notice this channel's not had as many videos as late. Um, and it's because I'm firming up the plan of this channel, this channel you're watching here, which is uh, every Friday, we're going to do the podcast. That's, you know, every Friday, 
Come Rain or Shine, we're here every Sunday. It's the pickup uh, videos. We're doing about videos about pickups. And then every Wednesday, it will be the review video. And then they'll be spattered in the Sharp My Axe and repair videos and stuff like that. But it's it's all we're tr what I'm doing is creating three shows on the channel. The, the you get it so so you know when, what days and what times to come. The Sunday time thing has to firm up like the Friday show, and then as that gets secured, I'll I'll keep adding it in. Uh, <laughs> uh just reading some comments. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes, like I said, it gets uh, sidetracked. Um, um, <laughs> okay, I want to get back to work. Okay, give me, let me get back focused. All right, pinned uh, questions that came early. Um, uh, this one was great. This is uh, another left-handed question I want to uh, answer. It was from Jose. Jose says, hey, Phil, uh, as a lefty, will I be purchasing any left-handed guitars for Sharpen My Axe episodes uh, and updates? No, I don't have any plan to do that, Jose. Um, I've, I've maybe talked about this briefly in the past. Uh, when I set up guitars that are left-handed guitars, I've learned to play like... Uh, I'm not making this up. This America horse with no name. You can play that upside down. Like literally, I don't take a left-handed guitar and hold it like left-handed and try to play it. I take a left-handed guitar and flip it upside down and play it upside down uh, when I set up somebody's left-handed guitar. So I play some scales and I play some songs that I can play upside down. And uh, But based on that very basic thing, that would be a very not exciting video to do. So there's just no reason for me, no way for me to do that. So on that, if you have an idea, a suggestion on how I could spice that up, maybe do a left-handed version, I would be uh, willing to do that. Um, okay. Uh, Randall's question is, hey, Phil, I have a, I think it's Italia. Yep, it's Italia Trev Wilkinson Supro Style 2 Jack uh, Paizo Karina uh, Wood with fiberglass finish. They look old. They look like old off-brands of the 60s and they are pricey yep uh have you ever looked at that brand at all uh i, I i've played maybe one or two i i've talked to trev wilkinson and he explained to me he designed the italian guitars and of course the new supro guitars and that's why they're reminiscent of each other they're cool i mean it's cool stuff i just never played it i mean if anything other than maybe those guitars probably i've only probably picked up at the nam show or maybe once maybe supro and the guitar center picked it up there was a one pickup version. I don't know what it was. Supro guitar. I picked up at the guitar center once that they were blowing out. And uh, I had that inkling to buy it. And I just couldn't couldn't finish pulling that trigger. And uh, I didn't do it. But, you know, it's kind of like a fish that got away kind of story now. Um, What else do we have? We have... Jane says, officially halfway done binging the podcast. And uh, so I just wanted to, I, I highlighted that one because it was an early comment. And also, thank you so much for that. Uh, the podcast has been growing at an epic pace, uh, surpassing and passing the YouTube and uh, stuff. So it's really cool. So I appreciate hanging out on the YouTube channel and I appreciate the podcast. For those of you who watch the YouTube channel, um, the suggestion was given to me and I'm going to work on this, which is, is there a way that I could mark the podcasts that are on iTunes and, and that are not on YouTube? Because like I said, there are po podcasts that I do, even like this, it's a live Q&A. I do the live Q&A privately with maybe patrons or other people and then put them on podcast. Um, so basically, yeah, I'll, I'm going to work on that. So that way you guys can at least see that. Um 
Okay, Matchless's question was, hey, Phil, your thoughts, want my thoughts about bare-knuckle pickups. Uh, from what I hear on YouTube, I really love the sound of them, Warpig especially. Uh, but after taxes and import fees, they're like $500, uh, $500 I'm going to say dollars, <laughs> uh, for the set. Um, I reached out when I first did the pickup uh, the series that I was working on. They were one of the first companies. Probably Seymour Duncan was first, and then uh, they were second. And Seymour Duncan gave me a no, and then they gave me a no that they weren't interested in reviews. So uh, I have no in, uh Seymour Duncan, though, of course, I've, I have 27 videos about Seymour Duncan pickups because I bought them. I have no pickups about uh, 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 Bare Knuckle. Uh, because although I bought a few sets, I think I have like three or four sets of their pickups. I just never done any videos. So maybe that's something I can look into doing and make sure it's on the pickup series. But, um, there's no reason if a company doesn't, uh, send me product for one of these videos, it doesn't mean they don't get on the channel. It just means that they're now, they now get less videos cause I have to buy them. Uh, same thing with uh, Fishman, all those stuff. If a company doesn't send out product, I just buy the product and we we put it on the channel and then I sell it off later. The only downfall I'm learning about that, the benefit to these companies to really sending the product to the channel is, is that when I buy the product and review it, what I'm learning, especially with the pickups is, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, a lot of the pickups that you see uh, in these videos where I bought them and do the pickup video, as soon as the video is over, I sell them on Reverb. I sell that stuff off so I can take that money and put it into the next thing I can buy for the series. And then when you guys have have follow-up questions like, hey, it would be really cool if you took those Fishmans and put them against these blah, blah, blahs. I can't because I'd have to buy them again. And uh, I can't sit on them because, again, I'm trying to churn them uh, for those videos. The pickup series has been, in my opinion, highly successful um, as a series, uh, especially compared to pickup videos out on the YouTube arena. If I go out and look at pickup videos, uh, these videos, which are technically considered lower performing videos for my channel, are producing really good numbers as a whole compared to other videos out there. I'm really proud of that. But keep in mind, uh, the pickup video series, which I've obligated myself to, and I, I like doing it, and I think you guys are liking it too, it literally is netting me $35 per video when we looked at the analytics. <laughs> so it's a labor of love is what i'm trying to say <laughs> it's, sometimes i make videos because it's a you know it's a good it's a good net profit thing to do i make some cash it's cool for the channel it's you know it, it, it makes funding stuff like this really good and then sometimes it's just a labor of love the pickup series is definitely labor of love um so let's see all right, it's uh... okay. Uh, all right, sorry, I was just reading a comment and I couldn't couldn't understand what they were saying. That's sometimes the problem. Um, I just want to see B Side Studio says Phil, I would love to see a side by side guitar fetish pickups comparison in direct swap battle. So the, that's a great suggestion, and it's definitely going to happen. The end result of the pickup video series, it's just a strategic thing. And again, that's the downfall of having this live interaction with you guys, because I'm talking about things I'm doing with the videos, and I'm telling you strategies, and then that, you know, that's great, but it doesn't help you. <laughs> so uh, basically what I'm trying to say is, um, yes, I know click-wise, 
view-wise, I know what pickup videos are going to get the best views. And believe it or not, we're building the catalog. Uh, it's strategic. I'm building a catalog of pickup videos every Sunday. And once the pickup catalog is pretty deep in the playlist, then I have these like, I think you're going to be really interested in seeing that. Like, let's take the cheapest pickup and compare it to the most expensive and do stuff like that. Those videos are planned and some of them are already shot, but those will come because those will cash in on those 100, 200,000 views potentially, right? Uh, maybe they're 50,000 views, but whatever they will be, they will be more than what we're getting on the, the traditional, you know, basic videos of just these are these pickups uh, videos. And then what happens, I don't know if you under, uh, understand how the YouTube arena works. What's great for the channel is, is that when I cash in on those views, what, what those viewers will do is then after they enjoy that video, they'll go, they'll be more open to go, wow, I wish I could watch another video like that. And then they'll see the playlist and they, uh, we see it all the time. Um, a lot of the videos on my channel are like that. If you look back, and I'll get I'll get off this subject, but if you look back at my channel, you'll see a lot of videos where you probably remember I got like fifty or 60,000 views. Look back now and you see there are 400,000 views and you're like, wow. And it's because I have we. that's how we built the platform on this channel. I, I really focused the idea around let's build series of videos, the Sharp Max series videos. There's 20 something videos. I know a lot of people always complain there's not enough Sharp and Max videos, but on a daily basis, when I look at analytics, you gotta understand I see hundreds of people, if not thousands of people every day, binge watching the entire Sharp Max series, which is 20 something videos. Doesn't sound like a lot of videos, but I mean, somebody sat there for like two hours, the length of a movie watching me do those videos. And uh, so same thing with these podcasts, you binge watch them out, so. That's the plan, but a great suggestion. And like I said, kind of going down that road a little bit myself now too. <laughs> Billy, it's the most common question you get on a gear channel. How many guitars do you need for life? None. <laughs> That's the official answer. Everybody always says it's one more or it's, you know, 10. It's none. You don't need a guitar. You need none. <laughs> you need no guitars. It's a luxury item. So one is a luxury, two is more luxury. Depends on how much luxury you want to have. You can lavish yourself in luxury or you can just have a little. It's whatever. I think you should have as many guitars as you can fit financially afford and tolerate and want. How about that? So don't put yourself in hock. Um, Brian says, will we see the DiMaggio Fortitude pickup review? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if you're asking that just out of the blue or if you, maybe I mentioned something secretly and I didn't realize I said it and I don't remember saying it. That's a great question, Brian. Thank you. Um, the Fortitude is my favorite pickup. So that's what that video will be. Uh, yes, it's not this Sunday. It was scheduled on my, my dry erase board, the DiMaggio, DiMaggio, <laughs> Uh, fortitude pickup uh, review and and it is my favorite pickup and explaining why i have a bunch of them i use them in the neck position in the bridge position it's probably the pickup i have the most in guitars and and it, and and i'll explain why but um it's not going to happen because there's another pickup review uh video coming this uh sunday that i'm i got an opportunity to do and it's just too weird and too crazy not to do it so uh so it has now been pushed to the following week. And I think that's going to be the 5th of April or whatever that Sunday is. So Brian, look for that video. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Okay. 
Sometimes I, I, I think one day it would be nice. I should have a guest come on this show, and they can talk the whole time, and I'll just read your comments. Sometimes I find myself sidetracked more and more reading uh, your interactions with each other. I get to watch them afterwards when the show's uh, replay, and I'm timestamping and stuff, but in, in real time, it's kind of exciting. Okay, let me get back to those to those questions. And again, I know I have super chats and all kinds of stuff, but I'm trying to get to the questions that were early and kind of reward those those early birds. Uh, JJJ Music, 3J Music says, I'm going to call it 3J Music from now on. I don't, I don't know if you wanted it to be that way, but I like that name. 3J Music says, hey, Phil, I just ordered a IR pedal, okay, impulse response pedal. One of my amps uh, I'm uncertain about is the Marshall SC20 head. Do I still have uh, to have a cab hooked up? I'm running it through the DI out to IR. You'd have to look in your manual. I don't remember on that amp if it has the ability to uh, hit it. In, so here's what happens on tube amps like that. They usually have a mode where you can put them in standby. Okay. Which all the tube amps have that, but some amps are designed so that you put in standby and the direct out still works. And if that's the case, then, then you would get away without putting a cabinet or a load on the amplifier. Um, either way, you still have to have something plugged in. That's just a smart thing to do. Don't unplug it, but it's a way to bypass that. You would have to look up on it exactly, but I don't remember if the amp had that feature or not. So, but my cautionary tale to you is just make sure that you, uh, for sure, make sure um, that you keep a load on it. But I was going to tell you is the fastest way to not read the manual and test the theory is run the DI out into your IR pedal is what I'm trying to say. Hit the stand, you know, turn on the power and push, turn the standby off. So it's like, you know, it's an idle mode, basically. Um, if you're getting sound, then you're good. Because as long as the amps in standby, you're, you're, you're not going to hear the cabinet. And it doesn't matter if the cabinet's plugged in. You don't have to worry about unplugging it. Just put it in standby mode. So think about that. There might even be a button in the back of that amp, if I remember, that does something like that. But I don't know. That's just the idea. Okay. Sean Brooks, he said, Phil, I just received a custom 24 from Sweetwater. Uh, thanks to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Obviously, the stimulus, stimulus checks were working. Uh, on a side note, I went to Guitar Center on Saturday with Ralph, and I seen this meme on the internet, and I swear you couldn't make this up. I walked in, and the first three things we saw were $13.99. <laughs> and Ralph, I think, pointed it out, and we just kept laughing. Like, like we just kept laughing as we walked around the store. It was just coincidentally, it, was, it seemed like it was coincidence. I didn't look like it was staged, but man, it was just coincidentally. So many things were $13.99. We saw a Schecter for $13.99. The, the 65 Deluxe was $13.99. There was a Fender guitar that was $13.99. We're like, a lot of things are $13.99 all of a sudden. That was kind of funny to watch. Um, so, okay. So back to Sean and his stimulus check uh, and helping the uh, smooth this money around. Uh, he says uh, he basically bought a PRS Custom 24, and he says it uh, plays great, but he wants to unfloat it. In other words, okay, gotcha. He wants to either block it or put the bridge against the body um, to put a, and put a set of nines on it, okay? Any tips on dealing with the knife-edge screws? Yeah, I, I, every video I've ever had about those guitars, I've talked about those knife-edge screws. Um, the thing you want to do with those, this is what I would do, especially your first time doing this. Uh, go ahead and... Um, Take the strings off. Since you're going to switch gauges, it's going to be easy. Take the strings off. Take the springs off. No tension on the guitar. And then go ahead and screw the screws down and set the bridge so it's against the body. Put the springs back on. Make sure that they're all six. Uh, the, the blades are on all six uh, uh, rings of the uh, the uh, screws, the edges, I should say. Um, 
and then restring it up and you should be fine. What's great about that is, is it's set up for tens. And my guess is, is if you put the nines on it, it's, well, it could be set up for tens. I'm guessing it's set up on tens. I don't remember. I think I mentioned in the video what it was. But anyways, uh, you shouldn't have to adjust the springs, you know, tighten them too much to keep that bridge against the body and then adjust your saddles up. You could do that or you could block it from the back and then you wouldn't have to do any of that stuff. So that's up to you. Yeah, choices is, is, uh, is good, but I'm definitely up for blocking. Or you can also get uh, one of those cool L-bracket uh, units that they sell on FU Tone and Amazon. It's uh, basically a tremolo block, tremolo block, L-bracket looking thing. I buy them. They're cheap. Uh, I wish I had one here. They're down in the shop. But uh, little things, I think they're like 20 bucks. You can screw that in the guitar in the back, and it's it's great. Okay. What else? The, um, okay. All right. Let me get back. I think I got most of the early bird questions. If I missed oh, a couple here and there, um, yeah, I think I'm looking through right now. I, I kind of grabbed all the, all the really interesting ones. Um, here's one. I want to say Cirrus. Cirrus Lee. Cirrus Lee says, I got the blues so bad. I don't even want to pick up the guitar. I thought this was great. I highlighted this one too because of the fact that um, this is a common thing that happens uh, to musicians, the burnout. It, it, it You do. You just pick up and it's uninspired. And uh, the two things I've learned to do with that, it's, you know, the saying absence makes the absence absence. Absence is the best policy if you're a young child. Anyways, absence makes the heart grow fonder is the saying and it's a it's a valid saying it's a very good saying when it comes to guitar if you're uninspired to play guitar don't force yourself through it you'll never it won't it will never work for me so i don't think it's going to work for most of you um if i pick up the guitar and i just feel like it's dead and there's just nothing about it's making me making making me happy and and especially if you don't do this, anything with the guitar for a living, you know, sometimes that's my, my biggest problem is, you know, it's like, Oh, it's great. I can just get away from this guitar for the next couple of days, but I have to have this content done or I'm working on a guitar. I'm doing something. So if you have that ability, especially definitely take that option just to get away from your guitar, just take away, go away from it. I find uh, for me, I'm going to say the magic number for me has been three days. If I'm burnt out on the guitar and I can get away from it, go and do other things. Don't, don't do, you know, don't do work. Do, do some other joy. Find another joy to do. Go for a bike ride. Go for, you know, a walk. Uh, you know, um, I don't know, watch a movie, you know, go, go to Top Golf. <laughs> I took my wife to Top Golf. That worked. Um, go do something else. I found for me after about the third day of doing something else, I find that it's not that I'm like, oh, I should go, okay, it's been enough time. I can go back to guitar now. I feel all of a sudden like, um, you know, I need something. And sometimes I do this with music. In other words, I take some time away from the guitar, but I listen to lots of music and I try to get inspired from that music and I find something cool. And sometimes I take a step away from the music too. But either way, absence uh, makes the uh, heart grow fonder is the saying. And I would definitely say that would work for guitar. Um, and, uh, 
And uh, I, t- I, 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 uh, I, I love it when uh, a piece of advice I, I give you guys, maybe it sounds good. <laughs> like, I'm, like Phil knows his stuff. That actually, that, uh, I guess I'm name dropping, but that, that advice was given to me by George Lynch. Um, George Lynch said, sometimes practicing is like painting yourself into the corner. You practice so much that you just, it'll, everything is just uninspired. And he said what he does is, obviously in his case, I think he goes and works out. That's my guess. <laughs> uh but uh but uh, he's he said he suggested that and i was like oh that was a great that's a great uh idea and then i put it into practice over many years and i found it works perfect sean says when you feel like you don't want to play buy more stuff i find as great and funny as that is and i think sean's going more for the joke and i i know we all mean his joke but i found that's actually the worst again uh the the worst um uh, that's the way I used to try to handle it. You know, it's like, oh, I don't feel like playing. In fact, think about this. I think that's where a lot of the mistakes, the biggest purchase mistakes you make uh, happen that way. I'm playing the guitar. Let's just, here, let me create a scenario. It's eight o'clock at night. I'm playing guitar and I'm just not feeling it. You know, nothing's really coming out. It's no music, no, no, no inspiration. Uh, I don't like the tone. I don't like the way it feels. I'm just burnt out. Something's wrong. And, um, and uh, anyways, uh, and then I put the guitar down and then I'm next thing I know, I got the phone out or the tablet or the laptop or whatever. And I'm on reverb.com and I'm like, you know what I need? Another guitar or a pedal or a thing like that. And I buy this thing. And what I found is, well, first of all, the biggest problem is whatever you just purchased, you can't have it right now. So it's not going to do anything for you. And the second thing is when you get that purchase, um, I think you're in the wrong mindset, right? It's, it's, you're buying out of desperation to feel this, fill a hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally you're trying to, you're trying to go, okay, if I get this, that's my problem. If I just get the, 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 the Rosewood fretboard strat, that's my problem tonight. I'm not feeling it because I'm playing the maple fretboard strat. And if I had this other strat, things would happen better. And, uh, every time I get that new product that I bought that way, Man, it sucks. It just never fills. And then you get the guitar and you're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. So I find getting away from it is uh, cheaper, better. Sometimes cheaper is not even right either because sometimes, like I said, you have to spend money doing something else. And I'm I'm pretty on the record, consistent, telling you guys, I pretty much love this stuff so much. I don't do a whole lot of anything else. If I do uh, do something else, uh, which you know I do from time to time, it's literally for that reason, I'm burned out. Tony says retail therapy. And that's pretty much what we call that. But in those, but I think retail therapy, I think buying a new piece of gear is exciting when I'm excited about music and gear and playing guitar. Cause then it's like all it's in the right mindset. I'm thinking, man, I should get a, an octave pedal and learn to play some cool stuff with an octave pedal versus, Oh, I hate the way this sounds. And if I just get a better piece of gear, it'll it'll inspire me. Uh, I find that lands always flat in my personal opinion. Yeah. Oh, great. This is a great answer. John ZD351 says, I usually buy stuff when I'm not looking for stuff. Exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, I find that if I go online and I have it in my mind that I want to buy a new guitar, I can look at, I can spend 10 hours over a period of week, uh, over a period of week looking at stuff online, looking at uh, tons of guitars and I'll be like, there's just no good guitars out there. And then like, same thing as what he's saying is, and then when I'm not looking for an instrument, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with what everything I'm playing right now. And I like my rig. And then you find something new and inspires you that way. That's usually a good way to do it. So... Okay, so let's get back. To, uh, let's get to some questions. Okay, back to questions again. All right, we have Hose316. This is a super chat from last week. I did the cutoffs uh, last week, and then I got a couple. First, I just want to say Tampa Blues and Michael Mitchell, they just did some super chats for no reason last week afterwards, and I appreciate that. Uh, Bob D. Carly did one. He said, have a drink. Happy Friday. Again, I just want to give shout-outs because these people, you know, obviously uh, you know, support the channel. But uh, Haas316, Haas, Haas, like, hey, Haas. Haas316 says, Haas316 says, um, in Arizona, we are always uh, Mountain Standard Time uh, states that do. He's talking about the daylight savings issue with the channel, um, and I agree. He's basically saying I could just tell everybody that I'm Mountain Standard Time all year because uh, we're always Mountain Standard Time. It's the other states that go to Mountain Daylight Savings Time and stuff. The only problem, that's great, Haas perfectly said, my only issue is that if you Google right now it, it Mountain Standard Time, like what time is MST right now, It'll pull up Mountain Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> it's like, uh, so it'll say it'll say Mountain Daylight Time or whatever. So I understand what you're saying, uh, but it's a great suggestion, and and you pretty much you pretty much uh, said what we're doing anyways. We're just saying Mountain Standard Time always on the channel, and then hoping it all figures itself out. Jonathan says, "Can the lag high vibe be used with a group of unmixed uh, acoustics?" Would it get lost or uh, co cover or co uh, cover everyone else? So this question is uh, the high vibe uh, guitar by Lag is the one I reviewed where it has the it's like uh, the uh, the um, uh, I want to say amp tweaker. It's not the amp tweaker. It's like the uh, uh, doesn't matter. Why can't I think of the name? <laughs> of the other thing. Uh, the high vibe is the thing that basically makes the acoustic have reverb, delay, and of course a looper. And Oh, Tonewood amp. Yeah, the Tonewood amp also attaches to a back of acoustic, does the same thing, lets you have reverb, uh, echo, delays, and of course, uh, but the Tonewood doesn't do looper. This does looper. So uh, I've jammed with that guitar with a friend and and he had my tailor and they were on par and I could I could hear it. I think the tone, uh, the the uh, the high vibe. I could hear the reverb, and he could hear the reverb. So to answer your question, it's not louder than an acoustic, but the effects on it will hold their own if you're just jamming with people uh, plugged in. If of course, if your question is to also to say, because you said unmixed, so I understand what you mean. But if you were to say like, if they plug in acoustic amps, then no, yours wouldn't wouldn't uh, keep up. The high vibe would not keep up with a decent sized acoustic amp. But yeah, it would definitely have, you would hear the echo and effects if you were playing just acoustically with some acoustic players. And if they could, had amps and they turned theirs down, you'd be fine, but it's not going to be as loud as a, let's say a, a mid-level acoustic amp. Greg said, cheers, Phil. Been waiting all week. I've been waiting all week too. <laughs> 
Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. Uh, Mathis says, hey, Phil, greetings from Sweden. How close together can pickups be placed? I'd like to build a SHSS Strat. Single humbucker, single, single. He didn't say Strat. He said guitar. Single humbucker, single, single guitar uh, with a single coil sized humbucker placed as close to the bridge uh, as possible. Uh, is there magnetic trouble? No, no, no. You, you're, you're fine. They could just go. You could, you could go. It's going to get a little wacky with the placement of those pickups because you might have some issues with the switch with that many pickups you kind of worry about some of the middle positioning switches giving you some weird phase tones out of phase and in phase tones um that's the only thing i would think about and again i don't know if that would happen i'm just giving you like suggestions of things you might have to deal with but no like i don't there's no issue with that um and the only the other thing that might happen is you know when you put a ton of pickups like that in a guitar your strings are gonna obviously not gonna ring as as much as they would. That's a lot of magnetic power kind of inhibiting the strings. Um, some people think it's worse than it is. I don't think it's that big of a problem, depending on the magnets you're using, the type of pickups you're using. But something else to think about. But no, I don't. No, you could put ten pickups in there. Do <laughs> one in a row. You can make a whole, whole from the bridge to the neck all pickups. It'd be fine. Garamo says, "Hey Phil, any recommendations on an inexpensive?" inexpensive small tube amp like the stage right or fender jr black star etc and your opinion on uh of, on the dane uh i don't know what that is is that i don't know how you say it you say throw trophy x trophy x i have no idea what this is i know i've seen the pedal on their channel um and i'm pretty sure it's his pedal right um Anyways, <laughs> as always, have a beer on me. Uh, so my favorite in the amp market right now for that stuff, I like the Blackstar Studio 10. Um, I did a video on that amp. It's not out on the main channel. Right now, it was just given to the patrons. Um, there was an issue. I used a multi-camera angle. I used a new way. The audio sounds great. The problem is the video is jacked. Um, I uh, was learning the new camera switcher. I decided to do a video as you sometimes do. And for some reason, the whole video was 720 and it's grainy as crap. So I, uh, I have to reshoot the whole video and it sucks because I think the video is good and it sounds good. I just think, obviously I don't want to present that, uh, video to you guys. Cause it looks like it was shot on a iPhone with some Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> so, um, so in that video, I explained why I like that amp. Um, and the reason it's not in the back, in the rack right now is cause it's actually in front of me to the left where it was in that video. Cause I, again, I, I want to reshoot that video. Um, as I, as soon as I figure out how to get the, the 4k cameras and the 1080p to sync up correctly again. Uh, so that answers that on the Dane pedal. I haven't tried it. You know what I mean? They, 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 I, you know, I've said this before. Pedals like that, they're just not on my radar. Uh, companies, you know, have to send that stuff. I'm not on companies' radars uh, for for pedal reviews or or a lot of product reviews. You know what I mean? Um, you got to again, just to be clear, um, I do a lot of reviews. A lot of companies are not interested in reviews. Reviews are kind of like an outdated platform for YouTube channels. There are some channels that are still doing. Uh, review type videos, but I still do reviews, which means review to me, a demo and review are different. Here's how it works. A, a review has demo in it. I have to demonstrate the product. A review is about giving you my opinion about this product, uh, telling you what I like, dislike about it, and even forcing that. And so in other words, like I think a true review, just like any kind of good review, it's not even about like, I love this or I hate this. It's about presenting to you all the 
potential things that you may want to know before you make a purchase. So even if I say, oh, I really like this, this amp, it's really great. However, there's a couple things you should think about or be aware of, you know, especially if you can't touch it or see it. And uh, so that's my channel is mostly based in around a review concept. What I find is, is that uh, more and more each year, more companies are not interested in getting a review. Why would you? You can send out products for channels that f will flat out tell you that they're just a demo channel. They're like, all I do is if I like it, I demo it. And you're like, okay, great. So everything is positive. And, uh, and uh, I find the majority, uh, I can't say half, I'll say 20%. That sounds fair. 20% of the products that are sent to me by companies, um, I find that after the video is presented, they are in shock. <laughs> like, I don't know if they didn't watch my channel before. Uh, their reaction is flat out shock that I would say the thing I said, uh, like the Lex, uh, Blackstar video, you know, you know, uh, they didn't say anything, by the way, Blackstar was pretty cool, but they didn't say anything. So, you know, I mean, literally nothing, nothing good or bad. Uh, I haven't talked to them, but you know, I pointed out there was a issue with one of their amps and although I think the amp's cool and I, I think it's a great amp for 150 bucks, there's a blatant issue that needs to be somehow corrected in some time in the future. And so sometimes things like that don't go over well with the companies. So they would rather not send the stuff out. So that's my long way of saying uh, a lot of that stuff. Uh, you see a lot of it on YouTube, but it's not, I'm not on those companies' radars. It's just not a, a thing. Now, the channel has the size and the views to be on those radar radars, but I don't think companies are really like, so let me get this straight. We send it to this guy and then he could just bash it. No, it's like, I don't know. I don't think I bash stuff, but you get the idea. Um, <laughs> Sean says, no news is good news. It can, and you know what? In my world, no news from a company after a video is always good news. <laughs> so, um, yes. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, but like I said, I heard good things about that pedal. Uh, I heard, well, I heard the same thing you guys all heard about that pedal, that it's good. <laughs> um, okay. Um, we have Leon, Leon, what, what does Leon want to talk about? He wants to say, Hey, Phil, I was wondering what are the most important components to upgrade, uh, or change when using a guitar volume knob to clean up your sound? This is a great question, Leon. In fact, uh, probably one of my favorites, uh, Here's why. I, I literally live on my volume knob on my guitar. It's just how I like to live uh, with inter interacting with an amplifier. Uh, typically, uh, if you were to grab any one of my amplifiers, plug into them, the first thing you'd say is a little loud or it's a little distorted. And it's because I'm, I'm really backed off a lot uh, with my volume knob. Quarter turn back on my volume knob is kind of like my standard fixed position. This is something that I don't do on YouTube videos. I, I, uh, but if I'm not making a YouTube video, I will uh, always keep my volume turned back. So because of that, like you, I, I'm more sensitive to volume knobs. So I definitely like the treble bleed. It's something I think you should try on every guitar. Every guitar, whether you like it or not, <laughs> you should try it on every guitar. Um, and I mean literally every guitar. Um, uh, there's a uh, there's a quick way to do this. You can attach some alligator clips to a treble bleed circuit and clip them right on to the tabs of a volume knob. Uh, it, it makes it easy, quick and easy, and you can try it out. Um, it's a very cheap component. And if you roll back the volume, man, it sometimes makes all the world difference depending on the guitar. And this brings me to the core of your question. You're saying to 
if you're going to use your volume knob a lot, a volume knob a lot, should you focus on pickups, caps, capacitors like that? Cables. The cables are the last thing I'd worry about. The pickups, the thing you need to learn about pickups is some pickups are just like amplifiers in the regards that some amplifiers sound great loud and some amplifiers sound great quiet. You turn them down, they sound good. Turn them up, they sound not so great. Some amps, you turn them up, they sound great, like that, like that plexi. Turn it down, eh, you know, it loses a little bit of its, its thunder. Um, that happens with amplifiers. Some guitar pickups are like that. They sound great full throttle, in other words, the volume full. Turn that volume knob halfway back or quarter turn back, they thin out. They, everything about them is just unpleasant. <laughs> Some pickups are, are fantastic. They warm up. What I've learned is exactly that. Sometimes a pickup, uh, a pickup I love, if I turn back the, the volume knob quarter turn, it just thins out and it's just horrible. And some of them warm up. So you do have to experiment with this. And so, yeah, I would, but here's what you're asking. You're asking what things, if you're going to do that, should you modify? Do, do the treble bleed first. It's a, I've been pushing on the channel pretty hard. It's not a new concept. The reason I've been pushing it hard is because I like to push things on you guys that are cheap and easy to do. There's, it's a $6 thing. You, anyone can try it. You, you can experiment with it. If it's stupid, it costs, I mean, I, I, I was at a coffee shop last week and it was 618 for whatever I bought. I bought a drink. I don't know what the hell, I don't know if they put brandy in it now. Do they put brandy in coffee at Starbucks? I'm not sure, but it was 618 with tax. That's what a travel bleed cost. Apparently expensive coffee. I got, I know I got some kind of espresso thingy, but anyways, doesn't matter. You get, I would have a travel bleed. Uh, Lawrence always says, just say no to treble bleeds. The problem is, as much as I love Lawrence and me and him always go back, uh, always head to head on this is um, all of the guitar companies I love, like Paul Reed Smith and Ivanez and Fender, they use them. <laughs> um, but it's your it's your ear and what you want. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Lawrence, I have to ask him next time I talk to you, Lawrence. I don't know. If, I never had thought to ask you, do you move your volume knob a lot on your guitar? I mean, are you living on it? Like I live on it. Um, like I said, it's, if you picked up every guitar in this room right now, I bet you they're all set quarter turn back on the volumes, like a set. In fact, I'm, I would actually like a, I think about this. Maybe I need to start modding my own guitars. I'd like a, a button to just turn my guitar off. So I'd like quarter turn back set always as, as my standard position setting on the, on the guitar quarter turn, and then literally just have a button <laughs> that I turn off. Uh, but like I said, it's not a great thing, the treble bleed. It's just something that anybody can experiment with that's super easy. Uh, <laughs> Sean's on a kick today. He says, you're not paying for the coffee, you're paying for the barista with the four-year degree in gender studies. Uh, yes. They, uh, do you know what? I? <sighs> All right, I'm going to tell you this story. I, I, I apologize. I, I don't think I ever told you guys this coffee story. Um, I know I told it to the patrons and if I told you guys this story, I apologize. Cause sometimes, you know, it's 204 episodes. Sometimes things get redundant. Um, I have a coffee shop I go to notice. I didn't say Starbucks when I said $6 coffee. That's not where I go. I don't go to Starbucks. I, there's local coffee shops where I live and there's some nice ones. And the one coffee shop I like to go to is slow. Um, I don't know why it just is. If you go there and you get a coffee, I don't care what time you get. It's three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. And it's like, it takes 15 minutes to get a coffee, (laughs) 
right? It's a slow process, okay? The problem is they have a drive-thru. So you go through the drive-thru sometimes and you sit there for a while. And when I say 15 minutes, it could be five, but you know, it feels like a long time. I don't know what it is with the training. So I'm going to tell you what happened to me. This is a weird story that happened. Uh, I went to this coffee shop when it opened up. This is a couple years ago. And um, I love their coffee, so I keep going back. So I went there and... What they do, they train the employees. I didn't know this. They train the employees to converse with you, to have conversation. So it's not like Starbucks where you go in there and like, what's your name? And you go, Phil. And they go, Sal. And then (laughs) that's what I get, Sal. What's your name? Phil, Sal. I always get Sal. Everybody's got a second name because of Starbucks. I don't know if you know this. This is like a side little thing to know. Everyone on the planet Earth that goes to Starbucks, whatever your name is, no matter how easy your name is, they write a different name on your cup sometimes. It's weird. So I'm Sal at Starbucks. Anyways, um, not Bill, which would be, to me, so much easier to understand. Phil, Bill, it's Sal. Anyways, um, (laughs) so back to the coffee shop that teaches their employees to talk to you. They like to talk to you and ask you questions about your day. That's their thing. So you're like, hey, I'd like a coffee. I say espresso. It's cold. I get some kind of cold espresso drink um, with shot espresso in it. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then I go to the window and I pay for it. And then they go, um, <laughs> they go, so how's your day? And I go, it's, it's good. And they go, what are, you, what are you doing today? Now, this is the story I'm going to tell you. This happened. This is a true story. So this happened. The employee goes, the girl at the at the window goes, what are you doing today? And I said, oh, I'm going across town. I'm filming a video for guitars. And she goes, oh, what do, what do you do? And I go, oh, I, I make YouTube videos. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you, you make, and this is what they do. They go, well, how many subscribers you have? And I'm like, I don't know, like 200 and something thousand, right? I go, then they go, they go, oh, and this whole conversation. And I don't know how to talk about this. And they go, what's your channel about? And I'm like, I talk about guitars. It was a very awkward thing for me because, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. No one's ever asked me what I did, what I was doing. No one's ever cared. So I leave and I think to myself, man, that girl was really nice. But, uh, you know, we didn't need to, to have the it's your life conversation. So two days later, I go back to the coffee shop, different time, different girl. I order the coffee and the girl goes, so what are you doing today? (laughs) And I said, I'm, I'm taking a break from, from work. Oh, what do you do? Uh, I, I, I make YouTube videos. <laughs> so she's, so yeah, Sean goes, I'm a content creator. So anyways, I just say YouTube videos. I make YouTube videos and she goes, Oh, and then this, and you gotta understand none of these kids, uh, give two craps that I, once you say, look, once you say YouTube, everyone's like, wow, you, you make YouTube videos. Yeah. And then we go, about what? Guitar. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so so I leave and I go, I've decided now, I understand that this is something they train them to do. So I tell my wife, I said, this is... This is not working. I, I hate this. Every time I go there, we're having a conversation about YouTube and how many subscribers I have and what do I do? So my wife says, tell them you're in media. Tell them you do media. You know, like, and I go, oh, okay. So so I go third time to the coffee shop. It's a guy this time. And and same thing. Go to the coffee. So, hey, what you doing today? I'm just working, taking a break. And he goes, what do you do? And I go, I'm in, I'm in media. And he's like, oh, really? What media company? And I'm like, YouTube? And he's like, YouTube has offices in town now? And I go, no, I, I work from home. And he goes, you can work from home for YouTube? 
Are they hiring? And I'm like, no, I, I, I make YouTube videos. <laughs> so um, this, this is horrible, right? So I go home and I tell my wife, I go, this was even worse than before because now I just look like a crazy person. So I didn't go to the coffee shop for like a week or two. I can't remember, but it was a period of time. And then I'm like, then I realized like, I'm afraid of the coffee shop. This is stupid. So I went to the coffee shop. I ordered another coffee. This time I get a girl, same time, same thing. I ordered the coffee, go to the drive through window. And the girl's like, what are you doing today? And I go, oh, I'm just working. I'm taking a break and get coffee. And she goes, what do you do? And I go, I drive a dump truck. She's like, oh, cool. I tell everyone now, that's what I do for a living. Everywhere I go. <laughs> I, I, I hope, I hope. Some of you, if you're, because you, there's a thousand of you, if any of you are dump truck drivers, I, what I've learned is no one cares that you drive a dump truck. <laughs> no one. Like I, I, when I said it out loud, I even got scared for a second. Like, oh my crap, they're going to probably go like, what kind of dump truck and how and how big? Nope. That's how you shut somebody down. You just tell them you drive a dump truck for a living and they don't care. So that's my story. And I'm sorry, I went on a tangent. Now we'll go back to guitar stuff. So back to guitar questions. John says, I purchased a Mexican standard Strat and there is a very light coating of rust on the pole pieces of the pickups. Anyway, I can safely remove the rust without damaging the pickups. Absolutely. I wouldn't use any chemicals. You don't have to. Um, you do not want to use anything that's metal. So don't use steel wool, anything like that. Although you can, don't, don't. <laughs> It's, I can just hear the internet shaking as the anger builds. Half of them are like, you'll get steel wool on your pickups. Um, what I use is uh, like 3M sheets. They're really fine, like paper sheets. Uh, and I just, just use that, clean it off. You can use, um, don't use sandpaper, but you got to use something really soft. Like I use the, uh, the, um, uh, the micro mesh one sheets. If you have those, those are great. If you don't, you know, you don't need to buy them for that. But like I said, you can buy these 3M paper uh, sand sheets. You can go to a Michael's or any hardware store and get really fine uh, sandpaper, like 15, I like 12,000 grit. Like it's going to be fine. Like think of this, it's a polishing. Think of it like, think about this. Here's what you're doing. You're trying not to, one, create a lot of friction, but two, you're not trying to sand these things. You're trying to polish that off. Uh, so just polish it like, like a jeweler would have. So polishing sheets would work. Um, there's all kinds of places to buy that stuff. And there's all kinds of reasons to have those sheets after that's done. So that's what I would use. Well, that's what I use. If a customer brings in their guitar and the screws and all that stuff, especially stuff like that, where it's not Chrome. Cause sometimes the problem with Chrome is if it's rusted, it's got pitting in it in the Chrome and you're not going to be able to polish the Chrome back off up. Um, but you can with this, uh, those pole pieces. So that's what I recommend for that. <laughs> there you go. So. All right. Next up, what do we have? We have a lot of questions. I can see where I, my getting off topic really built up the questions. Okay. We have try to be cool. All one word says, hey, Phil, wondering if we'll get an updated guitar gear tour soon. Oh, Happy Friday. Rock and roll will never die. All right. It's <laughs> uh, gear tour. Yes, like a collection tour. Yes. Funny you should ask that. It's going to happen. Um, I've been pretty diligent, uh, pretty consistent and diligent about saying I don't want to do a guitar, my gear 
my guitar collection video. It's nothing that's really appealed to me to do. I don't know why. I did one when I first started the YouTube channel, but it was really not a gear. It was just me highlighting like five or six guitars or whatever. Um, but something happened and it's going to happen. And here's why it's going to happen. I was having a conversation with some, some of the people at Sweetwater. And in during this conversation, when I have Zoom meetings with anybody, um, it's just like having a meeting with you guys on this, uh, on the podcast, on the show, uh, this is my office. So they see what you see. I'm like talking to them and, and I had my guitars behind me as I do. And they, they made a comment. They said, Oh, your guitars are behind you. And we were talking and I was talking about all the weights of the guitars and why certain guitars weigh certain things and why this matters. And, and they said, man, you should do a guitar collection video. And I said, yeah, um, that's what everybody says. I'm not really interested in doing that. And, uh, they said, uh, so they emailed me, <laughs> I don't know, a couple weeks later and said, Phil, I've been thinking about this, uh, your, your discussion of your guitar collection and how interesting it was when you were going through your guitar collection for us. And they said, I think you're missing a great video. And so they said that they would like to sponsor a video if I do that. So I'm going to be doing it. It's going to be a, a Sweetwater sponsored video. So, uh, so it's nice. They're going to sponsor the video and it's not about anything other than my talking about my collection. So there you go. So my guitar collection video is coming very, very soon because Sweetwater was like, hey, if we sponsored it, would you do it? And that wasn't really a goal of mine to get a, to do that, but it also seems dumb not to do that since you guys are asking for it like crazy. And then here's Sweetwater saying, we'll, we'll sponsor the video and help you get it done. So because it's a lot of editing, it'll be a lot of time uh, to get through the collection uh, to make the video not an hour long. <laughs> so it's going to uh, so soon. Yeah. <laughs> Sean says, Sweetwater wants you to show us uh, how many guitars you have so we feel okay having 500 guitars. Yeah, you know that you're not wrong. I think there's also another thing, Angle, of course. it's Look, it's just they know that if I do a guitar collection video, it'll get some views, of course. And, and then, of course, it reminds everybody, hey, Sweetwater's out there selling guitars. That's not a bad combination. But... But I really think uh, I think the the tie-in that they're really uh, interested in is is Sweetwater is the only main uh, you know big retailer uh, like Guitar Center, Sam Ash, AMS, uh, Z Sounds, which is basically AMS, um, you know, Musicians Friend. You know, uh, they're the only ones that give you the weights of the guitars. You know what I mean? They show you actual pictures of the guitars, but they give you weights of the guitars. How much? I, all, you know, and let you pick between four guitars the different weights. And so, th hearing that I'm that's something that I apparently care about and why I think they think that's a great way to illustrate to you guys why when you're on why Sweetwater has value to you. So there you go. I, I think that's what it is. But we'll see. You know, it's cool. Like I said, it seems like a it seems like a, a very easy video to make. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. It says uh, Vape Fagan says when you say sponsor, you mean they are paying you, right? Everyone has a different definition of sponsor. I I don't understand that question. So the way I would see sponsored. So here's the way I think I see sponsors, and it's just maybe maybe it's different than other people. Um, companies can send product. I think that means they're sponsored. I think if they give me a discount on product, I think that's sponsored. I think if they do giveaways, like if they just give, like I have a, a Stu Mac sponsored Instagram that's supposed to happen soon. And the entirety of that sponsorship is, uh, 
Stumac hired a person to run their social media. I forget her name. I want to say Allie. She seemed very nice. And she uh, reached out to me and said, I watched your toolkit video where I did the toolbox, the tackle box. And she said, uh, I'd like to put that together as a package and do a giveaway on Instagram. And so the deal on that is I'm going to give a, give a toolkit away, um, which will then make you guys think I'm cool for giving that away. And then maybe you'll subscribe to me on Instagram. I think that's the benefit of that. I, I don't know. I haven't figured out what the hell Instagram is other than, you know, this place where I just post other stuff besides YouTube. But whatever the value of Instagram is, I guess if you subscribe to my Instagram, you can win this toolkit. So that is a sponsored video, but there's no payment or product to me. It's just giving product to you guys. And then of course there's paid. Uh, Sweetwater, uh, like when AMS sponsors a video, it's usually they ship the product out. That's usually how they do it. This is, there's no product to ship out. They did ask me if I wanted or needed any product for that video, but obviously my guitar collection doesn't need a guitar sent out to me. So what we're going to do is what a tactic I like, uh, so you know, is uh, I'm going to use the sponsorship from that video to make another video with them. So you'll see that video as well. So that's basically what I'm getting at, Fagan, uh, is that uh, that's how I kind of do this stuff. I kind of, I use the video that they want me to make to make the video that I think we are more interested in. Although the guitar collection, I think you guys are interested in. So, um, uh, the reason I'm trying not to say it is because I don't want to tell you. So basically, they're sponsoring the video. The problem is I can't tell you exactly what the sponsorship is because then you'll know what the other video I'm going to make is. So that's basically, it's a tit for tat. So, <laughs> right? Um, the, you know what I mean? So I'm going to make this video there and tell you the guys that it, they sponsored it. And then I'm going to make another video with the, the power of that sponsorship. And so really, they're sponsoring two videos, if that makes any sense. But they've only... They're only taking care of one thing. Um, somebody says, it sounds like too much work. Uh, hold on, I'm just reading. <laughs> EJ says, your guitar collection video definitely, definitely needs a guitar sent out to keep in your collection. Yeah, you know what's funny to me is my... my, my deal with sponsorship and and with companies is always about trying to figure out how to make more videos that's really what i'm after how many videos can i make it's the you know if if that's the thing so and videos i want to make uh the video you'll see this sunday is sponsored by ams but sponsor meaning they just sent out the product so we can do the video so again it's different but uh, that's the goal Okay. <laughs> Somebody says, it's way too much work. You should just drive a dump truck. Yeah. No, YouTube is not a... Uh, I, I, you have to love it. This is... I definitely think this is falls into a lot of categories of... You have to in, enjoy this to some degree, for sure. Otherwise, it'll make you nuts when you're working for negative. I mean, it's, a, it's an end sun in some game at the end of the year you end up ahead but it's lots of testing to see what works i only talk about some subjects like this because i know some of you guys out there are youtube channels and you're making content and i just i've learned that's the only way it's worked for me is is for me personally is you know some videos cost me a fortune and they net no dividend and some videos make you a great dividend 
Somebody said, ask for a, ask for a Gibson Tom Petty guitar. Yes. Hold on. Um, yeah, that would be cool uh, as a guitar. But I can tell you right now, uh, the the other video I'm going to make uh, is a video you guys want as well. They're both videos that you guys, uh, ha you'll see. It'll make to so much sense when it's all ready. It's the, probably got to be the two most requested videos. C give us your guitar collection. And I'll give you a little hint, just because I feel like teasing you guys. The other video I'm going to do is this. I have a video that's very successful, and everyone keeps saying you need to do another version of that video. You need to do another version of that video. And... Um, so this is going to allow me to do that. Uh, so let's get to some more questions. <laughs> the next question is from Mahogany. Mahogany says, I got a good deal on a guitar last week. Thanks for the shopping tips. Just sharing the love. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Very nice. Uh, I got a good deal on a guitar last week too. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, and that is, I'm not going to do a review of that guitar. I don't think there's a reason to, but I will do a video of the guitar uh, soon because it's going to be used for another video. So I'm excited about that. Dave Hunter said, Phil, thoughts on the Marshall DSL-5CR for the uh, home bedroom amp? I love the DSL stuff. The 20 was great. The 40 was great. The DSL-5. Uh, uh, I wasn't a fan of the 15. I think the 15 was the head without reverb. I like the DSL-20 with the reverb. I did not love the DSL-1. So I did one video. I, I, had, I had a one in four shot to get this right, and I screwed it up. So I wanted a dsl uh, amp. I was thinking about the five and then I was thinking about the, the 20 and then the one watt and I bought the one watt. The one watt I did not love and that's what came across in that video. It's not bad. It's not a horrible product. It just didn't fit me. I don't, I don't love it. And uh, I ended up selling it to a guy on Craigslist in a parking lot for less than what I, so I bought it new, reviewed it. I have a thing. I don't like to uh, return stuff if I review it. It's tough, right? It's a tough thing. Um, it's a because it, it, it gets it gets in a weird situation of okay well you know what I mean um, so in that case I sold it at a loss and then once you do something like that you're not very excited about buying another product if I would have gone back in time if I could have had a, a crystal ball I would have bought the DSL twenty head and I've been super happy so something to think about the five watt head might be to your liking as well too but um, Oh, so you know what? I'm going to jump uh, one question to go to this one because it kind of uh, fits. It's Jay Turi says, not a question, but I got a Marshall DSL-1. So, okay, that's the amp we were just talking about. Uh, thinking I would be thinking it would be better for apartment practice than my 100 watt. Was I wrong? <laughs> Thinks it's a down. It's down. It's It says things dang loud. It is dang loud. Uh, yes. Yes. <sighs> So, I mean, obviously it's better than your one 100 watt amp for the apartment volume. I think, unfortunately, I mean, you're in the same boat. You just got it. If you like it, I think you should keep it. If you don't like it, I think you exchange it. I think I would go with the 20 watt. The 20 watt has the switch. The the whole wattage thing is the confusing part. I think that's the thing that, that, that maybe companies are wrong about and then YouTubers are wrong about. It's this whole idea of like uh, for for for... Uh, Wattage to me is more important for 
for performance. Being on stage and trying to get an amp to break up that's a 50-watt amp is tough. Now, if an amp has a master volume and a gain control, and you can get as much gain, you can set that volume wherever you want, like a 5150 amp, it doesn't matter. Any stage volume is fine. But when you're talking about like a Marshall-type amp or a Fender-type amp where you're trying to crank it to break it up, on stage, anything above 15, 20 watts for a lot of stages is just a lot of volume. It's just a little hard to take. So that's why a lot of musicians are like, I need 5 watts. The problem with the bedroom player is they're looking for something even quieter. So sometimes, in, in, in my experience, a 20-watt, a 50-watt amp will sound better than a 1 or 5-watt if it has that gain and master volume because you can use the, the gain control, right, the volume to, to kind of crank it and use the master volume or use something like that uh, JHS black box, put that in the effects loop, and then turn that into the master amp or master volume or use an attenuator. So um, that's that's where I was with the 1-watt amp for me. Um and uh, personally, I like the, the Blackstar 1-watt amp a little better for that. I'm about to review one of those again to see. We'll see. I have not actually plugged into it since it's got here because I want to do a reaction video to it. Um, so I haven't plugged it in. But um, uh, but that's my thoughts. I So I'm, I'm thinking, to be honest with you, for bedroom play, I think the 20-watt would be more than enough and same with the 5-watt. Uh, more than the wa enough to get quiet. Because it, it does. It, it, I can get that amp pretty quiet, especially if I use the effects loop on those. Grumpy Mike Guitar says, I got a kick out of seeing my ugly mug at the end of your uh, pickup video last Sunday uh, for the Tone Jar and why not? Cheers and why not? <laughs> yeah, that was great. You sent that. I got a bunch of pictures and yours just came in uh, like right when I was I was editing the video. And I was like, perfect. And I put it right on the end. Um I think I like doing it this way better. The other way I was montaging your guys's with the pictures of the shirts and the mugs and stuff. And now I'm just picking one of you per video. And uh, I, I like it this way. I hope you guys like it too. I like highlighting uh, you guys for supporting the channel. That's really, really, really what it's about. Um, I have this thing here. I think I'll show you. Um, this is kind of fun. There's some moderators here. I remember I talked about at Christmas about uh, giving the moderators a shirt and because uh, my wife wanted to do this like gift card thing. And I said, oh, let's do a custom shirt. And then it's been, uh, my wife's been working her butt off based on these stupid drawings I made. Um, she made me a prototype mug. I'm going to share it with you. So if there's a moderators watching, this is the, this is the concept of the moderator shirt. I see I had her put the wrench in the hand and then and i think she decided the moderator is going to say and be in white um so i i don't know what she's up to that stuff's still coming to you guys but uh this is the official logo this is not for sale that's the whole point this is just for the moderators to say thank you that's what this stuff is is it's like a custom one-off thing for you guys to say thanks uh but i i was so proud of my idea <laughs> Hold on. What the hell am I doing? Uh, oh, and I should have described it. For the uh, podcast listeners, it's got the blue wrench you see with moderators on, on YouTube. And I put it in the or I had her put it in the hand of the guitar player on the Know Your Gear logo. So that's what she's working on. Uh, and she'll reach out to you guys ASAP um, as soon as that's all worked out. But I thought I'd share it with you guys. See, Bam Mozzie. Yeah, it looks cool, right? I thought so too. I just thought it would be cool. It's, uh, I was hoping it would be a conversation piece for people, whether you have a shirt or the mug or whatever it is she sends out. Uh, she's working on a package to send you guys uh, of something. And, and you know, it's kind of like, what's that? And you can go, oh, I'm a moderator like Ben. Uh, yeah, it looks great. See, I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be fun to share it with everybody. I will, I will share the final thing with everybody. Uh, 
once she's done and sends it out to you guys. Floopity do. <laughs> Floopity do says, awesome. I promise not to drink booze from it. Now, I think that's fine. You can drink booze from it. No problem. Okay. So we have Aaron. Aaron says, uh, Aaron Peacock says, Phil, my guy, love the channel. Dude, thank you so much for the super chat and the compliment. That's always nice. Uh, uh, Raymond says, missed a bunch of shows. Hope you are well. Yeah, I'm good. Doing good. Um, you know, <laughs> doing good. They're staying out of trouble. Um, if you guys didn't see, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I, <laughs> I appreciate all the support I get on all the platforms. I really do. Instagram is a sore spot for me. I just, I don't love Instagram. I, I post updates to you guys there and stuff, but, uh, you know, I, this is not my thing, but, uh, I did post the other day. So, if, so, so those of you guys that watch or follow Instagram, you probably know this. I have a tone master amp. That's what I bought last Saturday. I bought a tone master amp. Uh, for those of you guys watching, this would be funny. I think I can't remember. I didn't, I can't remember what the hell I said last Friday, but last Friday I said, um, I like the tone master, but a thousand dollars is too much for my blood. If they were like 800 bucks, I thought I said that maybe I said 700 bucks. I can't remember. I'd buy one. I, I, I shit you not. I'm sorry, but I gotta say it. I walked into guitar center on Saturday with Ralph and the tone master amps are all on sale. 25% off. There's seven fifty. I think they're, I don't remember if they're $9.99 or $8.99. They're $7.50 now at Guitar Center, maybe $7.25, whatever it is. It was, it was, and that's not, it wasn't a closeout. It wasn't a demo or a, a scratch and dent. Um, they gave me one brand new box. So I was sitting there with Ralph and, you know, he's, he's sitting there and I'm like, I just told the audience that if they were this price, I'd buy one. He's like, well, I guess you're buying one. And I'm like, I guess I'm buying one. <laughs> so I have been diligently, I've already, so you know how, uh, how important this is. I've already filmed three videos of this thing. So it'll be soon. It'll, I'm just trying to figure out how to convey all the weird things that I think about this amp that are good and bad uh, to you guys. So. <laughs> so there you know so if you're interested in getting one apparently they're on sale at guitar center or uh you know now that you know that you can probably get uh, your your uh, preferred seller to match that aaron aaron short said awesome yeah so yeah um it, it's like i said uh, you'll see the review uh, it's there's a lot of great things about it and there's a lot of not great things about it it's a very uh it's the most uh interesting product i think i've on the channel for sure, by far. I, I can literally name 10 horrible things I can think about this product and 10 amazing things about it. And I, that's where I'm not at is where I'm at. Uh, the only thing I know is it's not horrible and it doesn't suck because that would be easy to decide, right? When something's really bad, it's easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the pick says we're at Guitar Center's website. I don't know if the Guitar Center website has the price there, but it's in there. It's posted on stickers or on cards in their store. So you would have to probably call to get the price. I'm guessing. Unless Fender is adjusting the map down. I did tell Ralph on, on Saturday, I had a theory. I don't know if you know, but the 65 Deluxe, the tube one, is now $1,400 US, $1,399. They just raised the map. I think they did it on February 1st, and I wasn't paying attention. So now that it's $14. So I said it would be funny, coincidentally funny, if the Tone Masters got marked down to $750 map now, because now you would be in a situation where a customer walks in a store and 
you buy a deluxe reverb or for half the price, you can have the Tone Master deluxe reverb. Wouldn't it be interesting if they did that? Um, that would definitely be something I've seen Fender do before. Uh, strategically, it makes a ton of sense. It makes it, because uh, that's my problem. Think about all the holdouts like me on the Tone Master. It's like, the, not only is the price the problem, it's that for a little bit more, I could have the real thing, whatever the hell that means. And now I'm like, well, 1400 So now I think the average uh, guitar player walking in the store is looking at $1,400 or $750. I think that would make it really tough to go. Even if you think about this, even if you AB'd them side by side at a guitar center and you said, oh, I think the real one's better. Now you got to go, is it double? So it'd be interesting if they do adjust that or if it's just Guitar Center's overstocked a little bit and they're selling them through. I, I just don't know. So um, somebody says it'd be so hilarious. Wait, what was it? It would be hilarious. Andy said it would be, oh, hey, Andy. Andy said it would be hilarious if they sent uh, me one for free. Yeah, they probably will. I've asked Fender for one to review, uh, to, to loan me and they, they couldn't. <laughs> Uh, or they wouldn't. That's actually the right answer. They they wouldn't send one out. Um, and so, you know, I try to use cache with some of the big retailers that I've done some videos doing that thing I told you about where they're like, hey, would you do this video? I'm like, yeah, would you send out a Tone Master for me to do a video with? Because I've been trying to get my hands on one and try one. And they didn't want me to, they didn't want to do it either. <laughs> they want me to do a video of that. I'm like, I go, I feel like, I've never felt like there's ever been a product. Uh, I don't want to start a conspiracy theory crazy thing here but i feel like this is the only conspiracy thing i've ever felt since i've been on youtube i have never felt like everyone has really not wanted me to try a product in fact so you know i was in germany um <laughs> at uh tolman when the when the uh the fender guys brought the first tone master to tolman to do videos and i talked to them and i said man can i do a video and they go oh it doesn't come out yet we can't release it i said well can i do an nda can i can i check it out and then and then you know, I won't discuss it until after the release date. You know what I mean? Whatever you say the date is, I can't talk about it. And they go, no. And then when they release it, the summer NAM, I said, well, could I, could I check it out? And they said, no. <laughs> and then I talked to the guy I talked to at Fender and I said, Hey, can we send one out to borrow to do for the channel? And he said, no. And I, I was like, okay, they just don't want to send this amp out. Um, I'm not sure what it was. Um, so now that I, I, I have it in hand and I bought one, mm, yeah, it's I like I said, you'll see. You'll see when the video. <laughs> okay. Um Yeah, John says go on Guitar Center. There's more used tone masters than uh than used tube versions. Look, I I think that's why I'm I'm taking this video very seriously um because of the fact that I think there's a there's some there are some serious things to consider before you pull the trigger on this amp at any price point. There are some serious negatives that are problematic and there are some serious positives. But, you know, like anything, you got to weigh it out. It's not a clear, it's to me, it's not a clear winner product for, it's not as easy as everybody go out and buy one. It's great. <laughs> I'll tell you this, it sucks a lot less when you pay less for it though. Um, okay, so... Robert says, who is the best value small builder at the moment, in your opinion, that is what builder gives you uh, the best, the most for $3,000 or less? I, I say Kiesel Guitars. Um, I can alienate. There's 1,055 of you right now. I don't want you to think like I'm on the, I'm on the payroll of Kiesel. 
So let me let me tell you where I why I say this. I have a friend. <laughs> He's still my friend. In fact, he made me di- he made me and my wife dinner last week. Thank you, Eric, for dinner last week. Uh, he's still my friend, and I could even tell in his tone how pissed he was when I told him this. So I'm going to tell you guys something that you're not going to like to hear. I had a long conversation with some people, not Jeff Kiesel, though. Some people had Kiesel, because that would probably be worse if I had it with Jeff Kiesel, where I explained how their prices are not in line with the market. They're way too cheap. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, he was like, what? You told them their guitars are too cheap? I showed them mathematically that their guitars are out of line with the market, that they're actually cheaper than the market is demanding for like like product. Not even American-made versus Indonesian. I didn't talk about any of that stuff. I'm talking about uh, uh, product line by product line. Uh, they are not in line. They are uh, less. And it's because, uh, yeah, because they haven't had a price increase that is substantial in a while. So... Um, that is why I say that about that uh, great line, uh, that product line. I think they're really great. So, so you know, the good news is this. I said that they didn't care. They were going to keep their prices the way they were anyways. I just thought it was important uh, to mention it. Um, and I was putting my money where my mouth was. I just ordered a Kiesel. I did it uh, in February. I ordered a Kiesel. So I wanted a special guitar. Uh, you know, so I ordered it. Uh, and then when I ordered it, I was in shock at the at the pricing. I thought it was way lower than what it should be for what it was compared to what other companies are charging uh, for even production guitars. Uh, the pick says, buy American, Phil. You know, buying American is a luxury. I don't, I don't, look, you, you guys, it's not, it's not hard to figure out. It's a luxury. And that's why when I talk about product, I will always talk about it in all of its integrity or not integrity, in all its entirety, um, which is, uh, you know, everybody's got to buy the price point they can afford that makes it make sense for them. The truth is that there are price points that everybody fits their needs. I say that it's not hard to figure out. Look at my, you know, look at my amp collection behind me. That's made in the USA. That's made in the USA. Well, let's look. Okay. The Marshalls, both Marshalls I own are made in Britain. The Dr. Z is made in the USA. My two Fender amps that you're looking at are actually made in the USA. My Rock Crusher is made in the USA. The Mesa Boogie up there is made in the USA. My Free One is made in the USA. My PRS was made in the USA. My other Fender amp down there is made in the USA. My Ingle was made in Germany. There's not... Uh, my other preamp uh, is made in the USA. Um, if you look at my guitar collection, it's 90% made in the USA. I say that because that's a luxury to do that, though. Let's not, let's not bullshit anybody with this, you know, hey, you should buy... You know, you could you should buy what you feel fits your needs and your some of us have families, right? Some people want to want to own a guitar and put their kid through college. And you can't buy a uh, you can't buy a PRS private stock in a Gibson uh, custom shop. Some people can't and, you know, still make all the bills happen. And so or, you know, buy there's more important things to buy sometimes, (laughs) Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe want a car that runs. So I agree with you. So I, the reason I bring this up is because this is a subject that comes up a lot, especially on channels, gear channels, especially, um, you know, like, Oh, only buy USA or don't buy China or Oh, buy USA is overrated uh, buy only import. Uh, everybody's going to have a, uh, an iron in this fire, so to speak, as they like to say, um, me personally, I buy, 
I've been collecting a long time. I aspire to own some of the nicer guitars because it's something I just like to do. I'm very upfront of the fact because I repair guitars. They're not that much better than anything else. As much as I like the American-made guitars, they're just not that much better anymore. But there is something cool about owning them because they're the guitars I wanted when I was a kid. There's all kinds of things. The point is, there's all kinds of reasons out there, and I wish it was that easy. Trust me. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it over and over again. As an American, as a person who lives in, in Phoenix, Arizona, I would actually prefer everyone to buy a product, a guitar, not only made in America, but in Phoenix, Arizona, because that's my economy. That's my personal economy. I want to feel where I live the most. And I think that's a smart thing to do for everybody. Everybody should try to feel their own economies. But also, there's all everybody's got to make a decision, and it's based on so many more things than one thing. Uh, Chronicle says some of those uh, U.S. guitars are imported parts from, like, basically China. Absolutely, of course. Well, half these amps are are, make, are made. I'm pretty sure, like, I have this PRS Archon right here. It says assembled in the USA, and it's mostly going to come from Chinese parts. And I believe they're actually going to 100% made in China on the Archon. That's, I thought what I was understanding. So, I mean, that's going to be the the thing. Yeah, of course. Sean says, I don't care what it's made. You can make amazing guitar anywhere. Of course. Again, these are all weird subjects that don't actually have to do with quality, though. These are There's a ton of reason, reasons why we like to buy the things we want. That's, that's why I said I try to go through the entirety of it. There's a reason why. Look, there's a reason why I think as a gear channel, as a guitar channel, guitar gear channel, why it's important to discuss a $75 made in China guitar and a $6,000 made in USA guitar. Not to highlight either one, but again, it's just because if I, it's important to present all the information I can. I'm not here to make the decisions for you guys. I hope you guys don't, I hope you understand that. <laughs> you guys have to make your own life choices about everything. I'm here making content to show you everything, like everything. <laughs> this is what, you know, this is what's good. This is what I think is not so good. This is what's interesting. You know, show you everything. You guys figure it all out for yourself. So there you go. Uh, and then a lot of you guys, I love the comments. They're all filled up right now. A lot of people are like, Eastman guitars are great. Of course. Look, man, the, some of those Glary's guitars for $75 are accidentally too good. <laughs> and some of them are bad. So there's, like I said, there's all kinds of good guitars out there uh, and bad guitars and good products and bad products. So, uh, I just want to dead shred nine. I like this one. It says, Hey Phil, I bought an indie Indio strat copy from mono price to mod up the frets feel gritty. How can I fix this? I have uh, fret shining tools. Well, then that's how you fix it. <laughs> you, your frets are gritty. They need to be polished. That's uh, it's pretty much easy as that is. So uh, I'm confirming your, your already internal idea, which is yes, you need to do that. So, uh, and then we'll stay on the subject for a few seconds because it's always a hot spot. Uh, somebody put, they were disappointed. Where was it at? It jumped. It's because now you guys are getting really hot with the comments. Somebody put that, oh, uh, I can't even read the names. Uh, it looks like a bunch of these. It says, uh, PRS disappointed me by going to China manufacturing. Yeah, here's the thing with that. I'm not defending it. Again, I'm going to explain it and you make your own decision. They went to court. That's what they did. They went to court. Um, that's all it was about. It's, it's, they went to, uh, uh, court manufacturing. Look, I obviously, I obviously interviewed the COO of PRS who is in charge of the SE line. He told me the answer. He's like, look, 
We went to Court Guitars. Why? Because it's a one-stop shop for them. Court Guitars can make acoustics, which PRS has acoustics. They can make basses. They can make electrics, hollow bodies. They can make every kind of guitar. They can deliver those guitars, which is very important because PRS's uh, uh, product line, like Gibson. By the way, Gibson, same same boat as them, and Epiphone, and Fender and Squire, which is Squire sells more units than Fender. Epiphone sells more units than Gibson. PRS SE sells more units than PRS. So it's important when you need those shipments that they show up. So they went to Court. Court Guitars makes their electric guitars in Indonesia, their acoustics and hollow bodies in China. So I tell you that just so you're aware of the fact that really it's not like PRS went, oh, we're going to go to China on this one. (laughs) They just went with Court. And so it's wherever Court makes the product. That was their logic to get the product delivered. And so, and of course, to take advantage of the cheaper manufacturing so that they could obviously uh, make more money because that's what they're, they're a business. I don't know if you guys know this, but PRS is like all these guys, they're businesses. They love guitars, but they really want to make money. (laughs) You can love guitars without having to make them. Making them is about wanting to make money doing guitar. So I just say that because I understand I'm, I'm, I'm with you, by the way. I'm also disappointed that the guitars are made in China, that they're $1,500 now. Uh, you know, I, I don't love the idea, but it is what it is. I, so again, like I said, I'm not defending it. I just explain it. You make the decision if that's what you want to buy or not buy. Um, what I will tell you on that note is, is that this is why I think this, that's why I, I did the reviews of those guitars. The problem is, is you have a choice. You, you have three choices. Here's your choices. Buy the Made in China one for $1,500. Buy the USA one for... Oh, you have four choices. You have... Buy the Chinese one for $1,500. Buy the USA one for $6,000. Buy a used one, which now is fetching four dollars to $5,000. But back a year ago, before COVID, you could pick them up for three, so half. Or don't buy one at all. Those are your four choices. Um, there you go. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, and then now you guys are a lot of you talking about the uh, PRS Indonesia, just because PRS is on the tables, we're talking about them. PRS Indonesian factor as being uh, how much it's like the U.S. factory process. In a lot of ways, it's better uh, because it's more refined in the fact that, you know, obviously Court makes a lot more guitars, so they refine the factory process. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a thing, man. You got to decide. I have trouble with it both ways. I, I, I'm I'm not a hardcore on any fence. I'm I'm in I'm in the middle. Not because it's a political like uh, stance that I want to be in the middle. It's because you know when I started playing guitar, I think I've told this story. When I started playing guitar, that's what was when I walked in the music store. The very first day, my first experience with guitar was this this thing we're talking about. So it's not going to ever stop. I think I've been playing guitar now for 25 years, maybe longer. I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> starts running on after a while. The very first day in the music store, I was like, I'm looking for a guitar. And then somebody's like, well, you're looking for a main USA one or a main Japan one? And I was like, it was the weirdest question to this day. Now it's like, of course, that, of course that's what he asked me. But at that day, I remember thinking, this is the weirdest thing. What is he talking about? And then I said what I think every teenage kid back then said, I, I don't care. <laughs> and then I bought a guitar that was made in Korea. Because I couldn't even, because here's what's funny about the story. I couldn't even afford a main Japan or American guitar. <laughs> the main Japan guitar was 
double what my budget was. And the main USA guitar was triple what my budget was. So I walked out with a main Korea guitar because that was like your third option of cheap. And uh, I didn't even understand the question. <laughs> so it's something we focus on, which is I love about us in this industry. Um, but it's also something that's always weird in that we discuss it. All right, we got to go to the next subject because that was a long time to be on one subject. We are going to go to Voodoo Fist. Voodoo Fist says, hey, Phil, I bought a Fender Tele Ultra. The action is low. Perfect. But the bridge height screws are sticking up too high and cutting into my flesh. Is there a fix to this so I can keep the action low uh, like it is? Yes. You have two options on this. You can buy new threaded screws, those screws, uh, those adjusters, those Allen adjusted screws. Uh, you can buy ones that are shorter. Just go online, look for them. They're easy. Uh, if I can find them online when I do the recap, I'll put a link. Uh, you put them in there and then you're fine. If you can't find those for some reason or you just don't want to spend any money, even though you just bought an Ultra Telly, so you got you know, you, you got the scratch. You got to spend a couple extra bucks to get it that way. Um, you can uh, cut them. You, uh, I take them out, I cut them, uh, and then you smooth them and round. I round the tips and stuff and, um, you know, it's up to you. I mean, I, it's what I do for customers all the time. But you can just buy shorter ones. <laughs> so there you go. That would help a lot. Uh, Stephanie says, have you ever played a Lincoln Brewster Strat? I'm thinking about trading my performer and a few pedals for that. And I wanted to know your thoughts. I don't think I have. Let me take a second. This is one of those, like, I'm really taxing my memory on this. Okay. I have not. I have not tried it, so I can't give you any feedback on it. So I don't know what the neck feels like or, it, you know, the tone-wise. Um, but uh, you say you have a performer strat and a few pedals. I don't know. <laughs> I can't give you any suggestions because I don't know the guitar that well. I'm sorry. Um, it's tough. But... Uh, I usually could say buy what you want. What I can tell you is I don't think there's an issue with either one in their quality wise. So I don't think you're going down in quality. If that's what you're concerned about. Are you going down? Are you making a back step? I don't know if you're making a back, a back step. Feels kind of a sidestep to me. You know what I mean? To me personally, like, you know, if it's more what you want, it's kind of better, but I don't know if there's going to be any dramatic benefits to doing that. But the important part probably for you right now is I don't see any negatives. So maybe that helps you with making that purchase decision. Tom Slater says, cheers, Phil. I've been out of action since Christmas with RSI and you've helped me through these few months. Don't try and play through pain people. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's always a good suggestion too. Uh, you know, um, yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're feeling better. It says you're, you said you've been out of action. You're not saying you're feeling better now, but I think and you're feeling better. I hope so. If not, I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, but and I'm glad you uh, the channel did well for you. And and um, but yeah, uh, great great way to reiterate, reiterate that is uh, yes. When you're hurt, you should st stop playing. <laughs> Start stop hurting yourself. M. Kara says I just bought a Duesenberg TV Star Player P90 on the neck and humbucker. Wait, on the neck and a humbucker in the bridge. Didn't buy to sell. Wanted something different, but as a fan of you, curious on uh, the Duesenberg guitars resale since it's rarely discussed. Um, the Duesenberg guitars resale value isn't 
one of the best ones that I've seen out there. And it's mostly because, again, you got to understand, I, uh, this is the important part to kind of always chime in on. There's a few companies, and we know who they are. It's Gibson, it's Fender. They're the primary of the two. And then there's a few others that get to live in the beautiful resale value world, okay? So um, so what's great about that is, is that uh, they they will always have great resale value. The rest of the companies are kind of hit and miss on it. Um, and so, but the important part for me is that, like you said, you're not thinking about selling it, you know, you're just buying it. But the important part is that I liked all the Duesenberg guitars I've played. That's a, definitely a guitar that if I saw an opportunity to buy one and it was in the right time for me, I would I would definitely get it. It's a it falls into the I can't have everything kind of category. And for some reason, like I have a Gretsch and I just like my Gretsch. And uh, but the Duesenbergs I've played have been fantastic. Mister Fancy Hand says, "Hey Phil, are you able to put into words why tube?" slash digital slash solid state amps feel different from each other. What's your preference? Uh, love from the UK. Sure. Yes to all those questions. So uh, I do I have a preference? Absolutely. Tube. Tube amps is my preference. Then solid state, then digital. Um, I like digital processing. Uh, what I mean by that is like Axe FX, Kemper, Helix. I like the units doing it, not so much the amp. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll put it in whatever amp I want, whether it be solid state or tube. Um, they, a lot of people talk about the feel, right? That is more compressed. The tubes have a reaction. There's a feel. There's also, to me, there is uh, in the amp, not in the recording. See, it depends on the argument. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you down a road. So you're asking me, can I explain the difference? Yes, I can. Here's how I explain it. If when we talk about digital, whether we're talking about modeling or solid state or tube amps, recorded wise, the the differences are very, very thin. In other words, thin being very, very minute, not a lot of differences between the sounds. Once you turn, once you record an amp and turn it, especially now into ones and zeros and put it on a computer and then try to replay it to people, it is digital. Everything is digital now. However, however, this argument that, it, you know, a tube amp, that you play it differently because it reacts differently. Sure, of course. There's all those things are factors. But for me, the decision to for tube amp over solid state than over digital for me is all about the high end response. High end being the high frequencies. High end frequencies are are less harsh to me on tube amps. There's just something about them that seem fuller, less the same distortion. It's less it's less harsh to my ear. Um, digital sounds good, but always has this harsh high end kind of, I call it the digital chirp. It's like a chirp. I hear it when I hit my pick, hits the, the string on a guitar. If you plug me into a digital amp right now and then into the tube amp, when I hit the digital, there's always this like high end chirp that happens. And then I have to kind of EQ it and fight it and find a thing. Um, and this is, this is the, the biggest issue for me and not all tube amps are great. So that's not where I'm going with this, but I want to say is when a tube amp is good, Man, it's just amazing. And there's no want for anything. It's not like when I plug into a good tube amp, I go, oh, this is good, but I wish it was better. There's no want. Uh, same thing with any other amp, you know, digital or solid state. You plug into them if it's good, then I guess you're fine. But I like them. I use them. They all have a purpose. And to be honest with you, I have no, I have no specific like, they can have my tube amp when I die. Other than that, I'm never switching. Look, I, I use all three formats. I use all three products all the time. There's just a purpose for them, 
recording digital stuff is great. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I like bias effects. I can, I like all, you know, kinds of stuff into my computer uh, and just plugging in and doing stuff. I can get great tones uh, in my computer all the time. I can get great tones out of my Helix uh, Stomp. I'm happy with it. Uh, I don't plug into it and go, man, this is horrible. I just, for some reason, when I play tube amps, there's just something about the warmth and clarity that I really, really have drawn to and I really like, and I don't have to find a spot where I can kind of tolerate it. So that's kind of my my take on that. Um, and by the way, the last Super Chat is going to be Frederick John because I realize it's, it's late. Um, we have... A shinnery kid. A shinnery kid says my 594 PRS bridge pickup isn't aggressive enough for punk. Yeah, well, right, because it's the five, it's 5708 slow turn, right? Low turn. Recommendations for a pickup punk. I'd put the metal in it, man. Get the. You don't have to buy a PRS pickup, but if you want, you can buy the PRS pickup. Get the metal one. That will do it. It'll punch. I think that would be sound fantastic in the 594. If you don't want to go, well, you have a 594, man. Whether you have the the S2 or the, I think you, I think you got the scratch, so to speak, to to buy that pickup. I would do that pickup. I think you'd be happy. If you don't want to pay that kind of money, uh, you know, you could just get a more aggressive pickup from Seymour Duncan or get one from Demarjo or from uh, Bare Knuckles. Uh, again, here's the easy part, man. Those pickups are pretty warm and soft, low output pickups. Everything, I mean, even if you go with a, I wouldn't, I'm not saying to do this, but if you go with a DiMaggio Path or a 59 by Seymour Duncan, that's even going to have more punch than than those pickups. That's, so you can only go up <laughs> in what you need. Uh, Joe says, howdy, Phil. Any quick tips for fixing a trim arm on a vintage style strap bridge? Too much play in the trim uh, if you don't crank it down tight. Uh, so there's a couple things. First, you got to make sure, you know, if you have the spring in there, to make sure, because you're saying a vintage style strat. So do you have the spring in there? That should fix it already. In fact, if the spring is in there at the bottom and you're tightening it and it's still not tight, uh, then you probably have the, the, the threads are stripped a little bit. And then you might want to use some like plumber's Teflon tape. That could fix that as well. And that's assuming that it's, uh, it is vintage strat style bridge and it does not have an Allen adjustment somewhere underneath the bridge plate. So if you look at the side, so you definitely want to hit all three of those things in that order, make sure your spring is there, Make sure your spring isn't, there's a reason why they sell the springs like in a 10 pack because they wear out too. If you're using the spring, you need a new one after time. They, they, you compress them and they don't do the same, same job that also, all those things will work. And if you don't have the spring and you don't have Teflon tape, you can always just shove a, uh, a, uh, one of those foam earplugs in the hole and just put it in there and that'll kind of fix it. Um, that'll work too. I've done all those things. Uh, it, it's a quick fix, but it works. TT says, says, why so few SHS configurations? Wayne Kramer guitars. He's talking about the Wayne Kramer uh, Fender guitar that's single humbucker single guitars, especially for Nashville Telecasters. Put some splittable DP100s. Well, the answer is simple. It's because it's an uncommon... Look, the manufacturers kind of decided all this. Humbucker, single, 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 humbucker, humbucker. They put that out. Musicians play it. You know what I mean? The mainstay, we all followed the the leader, so to speak, the guitar players that use that stuff. So that's probably why you don't see too much of it. My big thing for me personally is that wouldn't appeal to me as a as a pickup configuration because of the fact that I like humbuckers mostly in the bridge. That's where I kind of like. I like my single coils in the neck and I like my humbuckers in the bridge. That's kind of where I'm at. And and so and to me, middle pickups are never used 
uh, for me unless I'm using them with a neck pickup. So I'm not, most of my guitars are some kind of humbucker, humbucker, or three single coils or HSS. Like I said, you ne I don't have very many guitars where the middle pickup is something I use a lot. So I'm sure that's why. And I'm pretty boring. So, I mean, I'm boring by meaning the majority of guitar players are kind of following the same boring road I'm doing. So you're just, you know, you're more outside the box than the other guys. <laughs> so that's what it is. Uh, Armin says, uh, oh, Amrod. Amrod? Sure. sure. I'm going to say Amrod. Amrod says, hey, Phil, what would cause a guitar to be bassy? I have changed the pickups and the sound uh, almost the same. It's a Harley Benton C24. So I've played the Harley Benton C24. And so that's their custom 24 PRS style guitar to be bassy. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why uh, it would do that way. A lot of times the pickups are the pickups are far away from the pickups. Ugh, the pickups are far away from the strings. See, when we get towards the end of the second hour, I get a little lost. Um, that could be doing it for sure. And I know you said uh, you've changed the pickups and the sound is almost the same. So again, you change the pickups, but I don't know what you changed them to. My thought would be two things. First, maybe back the pickups away or, you know, not, make sure they're not too far away is what I'm trying to say. Also, you can tilt them so that the treble side of the pickup is more towards the strings. That might help the problem as well. I don't think it's the guitar. Sometimes it can be the guitar, but in your case, I don't think it's the guitar. Because like I said, I've played that guitar and I just, they're just not, there's not a lot in that guitar that's going to create a lot of low end warmth. Sometimes it's a hollow body guitar. Sometimes it's semi-hollow. Sometimes it's a type of bridge. So there you go. If none of those things work, adjusting the pickups should work. If that doesn't work, something you can also think about doing is changing out the bridge. Uh, maybe get a brass block on the back. Maybe get some harder saddles. Those will all fix it too. Okay. Sean Drew says, I have an ESP E2 Horizon FR. Not cheap, of course, because yeah, I have the ESP E2 Horizon non-Floyd Rose. Uh, says, and it has fret sprouts so bad that the finish is bubbling under the fret. Yeah, that's what PRSs do when they do that. Whenever you get that push away, it's uh, it's because the frets are pushing out and pushing on the finish. Can anything be done? Yeah, absolutely. It can be fixed. Uh, but you need to take it to a shop. It's not something I would recommend you do yourself. However, I don't care what the companies say. Here's what I would do if I was you. All right. Um, Sean, I don't know how long you've had it. But assuming you didn't buy it used and assuming it hasn't been years, I would contact the retailer or the manufacturer to see about solutions to get this fixed. And I think they might pleasantly surprise you. Um, ESP is a good company. There's, there's guitar companies. Look, you kind of know this industry, you know, at some point uh, working with everybody. ESP is a company that I've never worked with on the channel. I've never worked with ESP. So, you know, on the channel, uh, I reviewed, uh, two of their guitars. I bought one and AMS sent the other one out and I had AMS send one out because again, AMS is like, Hey, is there anything we can work together on? And I said, yeah, I want to, I want to do something with guitars that I've never had on the channel. The reason I tell you that is because I like Jeff, Jeff's the owner, or at least he runs, um, ESP. I like everything about the guy. I like ESP. I like how they run their business. I just, for some reason, you know, my channel doesn't go on their radar. So I'm just not there. But that being said, I think they're a good company and I think they'll take care of you. So assuming that it's not all these, the outliers would be that you're like the second or fifth owner. It's, you know, it's an old, old guitar. It gets a little tough for them to kind of back that kind of thing up. But I mean, if you've had it for about a year and you're the first owner for sure, 
I would definitely contact the retailer or the manufacturer, whichever thing, you know, whichever relationship you have that depending on also how old it is. So if it's newer guitar, like you just got it, definitely go retail first. Um, let the retailer contact the manufacturer, get it taken care of. They can fix it. Um, because the fix is going to suck. It's going to be a little pricey. It's going to suck. Okay. Um, Jeff Parker says, sharpen my Strat. Body used, newer model, HM Strat. Uh, okay, so he's, I'm assuming body used, newer model. So I think you're saying he's bought a used HM heavy metal Strat, but the new reissue. Says, already got pickup plans. Has cheapest pot metal Floyd. Want to play? Yeah. I want to play and have fun upgrades. No limit. Uh, Floyd upgrades uh, for titanium Schaller. Look, the titanium thing is definitely a thing I don't understand. Um, all my buddies, everyone, I mean, all of them, the ones I like, all my friends that I like love titanium stuff. They're like, it's the thing, man. They all do it. Uh, I, I have so many texts on my phone. <laughs> hey, I got the titanium this and I got the titanium that. I'm so happy for them. I, I just, I look at it and it's not, it's not my thing. I don't care enough to pay the money. So you said price is not a limit. So go for it. I, the sad, sad thing is the reason I'm telling you this way is because I don't purchase that stuff. I can't tell you. Um, I have customers that bring me titanium stuff, you know, parts of their bridges and titanium bridges. And I put them in there and, um, I only have one and I, maybe I'm scarred. Here's what happened. I don't know why I didn't do aluminum. I just didn't aluminum. I, uh, my copper strat is, it's not heavy. It's a light strat, but it's not, I was hoping to get it lighter. So what happened was I saw one day, this is about five years ago, six years ago, I saw somebody made a titanium block and it was like, I don't know, it was 150 bucks, which is a lot for a block. Cause I think you can buy a brass one for 30 bucks. And I bought it and I put it on the strat and I picked it up and I go, Oh, that was great. I killed like, you know, eight ounces, half a pound. And it sounded horrible. I mean, the guitar just immediately sounded horrible. And it had nothing to do with titanium. It was just, there was a reason why you want some mass there. You know what I mean? It helps anchor the, the vibration of those strings and stuff. Uh, especially me with the bridge, you know, at that time against the body. That was my one experience. And then I think I put it on eBay and sold it for, you know, 75 bucks. And I went my own way, licked my wounds and went my way. So um, I think on that strat, if you want to upgrade the Floyd, I think it's a good move. Do you need titanium? In my opinion, not. If you go up with a Schaller Floyd Rose, I don't think you're going to be unhappy, man. A German-made Schaller Floyd Rose is freaking awesome. It's my favorite bridge <laughs> uh, of the Floyds. I have no problem with the Korean-made bridges. I have no problem with uh, the any of the cheap uh, Floyd Rose bridges. Uh, I, I like them all okay. They're fine. I love the Schaller ones the German Schaller ones. They're just really, really good. And I think everybody I know that plays the bridges, really, the Floyds really kind of like the Schaller Floyds. The, uh, <laughs> Daryl says, I got a titanium hip and knee replacements. Well, titanium in your body, I think smart. <laughs> I'm on board for that. So I had a, uh, I had a, uh, a titanium ring. Uh, I'm not wearing my ring right now for the video. But my ring I wear, I have tungsten now, which is heavy as hell. I wear a tungsten ring. I used to wear a titanium ring and I got in a car accident and it was really bad. And uh, the later I was talking to the nurse. I thought she was messing with me. Uh, and she said, uh, she said, yeah, luckily, because I took, I had to take my ring off. And she goes, you know, um, if, uh, 
if we, we have to take your jewelry off, you know, for surgery. And I said, yeah. And she says, if you can't take that titanium ring off, she just wanted to let me know. She's like, I'm just letting you know, like friendly, like, Hey, I'm just want to let you know. She's like, if we can't take that ring off, we can't cut the ring. There's not, we don't have anything to cut that ring here. So we have to cut your finger off. And I laughed like that awkward laugh. You're like, <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, I'm serious. So I'm just letting you know, you probably shouldn't, you know, she was just telling me like, as a nurse, I guess, don't wear a titanium ring. So now I wear a tungsten because you can smack it hard enough and it'll shatter. Because I don't want them to cut my finger off is what I'm trying to say. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, titanium, your body's great. Titanium ring, apparently bad. And titanium parts on the guitar, probably good. But again, uh I'm sure we'll get there on the channel one day. I'm sure as we run out of videos, eventually, if we get to thousands of videos, uh, uh, I'll get to a point where I'll have to buy some titanium stuff and show you guys that and, you know, share the experience of buying and trying it. But right now I haven't got that far. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> now you guys are talking about tungsten bridges. I don't think that will work, man. I think the tungsten thing is, uh, I think the whole point is they, they'll, like I said, they'll shatter. That's, um, I, when I bought the tungsten ring, it was really heavy and I was looking for something. And I remember that's what the, the guy at the jewelry store said. And he's like, Oh, if you watch it, if you hit it hard enough, it'll shatter. And I was like, Oh, well that's probably good. Cause I don't want them to take off my finger. Um, Alex says, Kirk Hammett says, okay, that Les Paul sounds better after having repaired broken headstock. Okay. Do you think that's true? No, hold on. Let me get there. Speaking of Metallica, have you ever played a Ken Lawrence Explorer? Thanks. Okay, so the answer, answer is easy. I've never played the Ken Lawrence Explorer. Okay, there's easy. Kirk Hammett said that a Les Paul sounds better when the headstock's broken. First could be a joke. Why not? I mean, you know, Billy Corgan says guitars sound better if they're painted white. Look, baseball players won't play if their socks are on upside down. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You know, artistic-minded people are crazy by definition. I mean, it's what's beautiful about us. All of us are, you know, that have artistic mind are a little bit out of their mind. Kirk Hammond's a little bit out of his mind. We know he is because he's like, hey, what can I do in my life? I think I'll pick a job where I might make money or I might be destitute and eat out of a dumpster my whole life. There's no, there's no real sane person that wants to be a guitar player in a metal band. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was giving away their records, bootleg. You know what I mean? So, so, and I say that with admiration. That's the thing we should love about people like him. So, that's what he says. I'm just in, in acknowledging two things. First, he could be kidding. And two, he could, uh, first, yeah, two, first, first, second. First, he could be uh, kidding. And second, he could be crazy. That being said, let's talk about this for one second. This is just for the sake of putting tinfoil on our heads. Let's just uh, acknowledge why it could be true. Um. I would imagine that if the headstock broke off as someone who's repaired many of them, <laughs> uh, when you glue it back together, sometimes you, uh, there's, there's two or three different methods and I've used all of them, all of the above. Um, everything from you cut in, in dowels and you put dowels in there and you dowel it to you sometimes do reinforcements with two other, uh, cut, you cut sh like basically little blocks of wood and you inset them in there and you sand that. Um, there's all kinds of ways to kind of reattach the headstock besides just gluing it back on. Sometimes in a perfect situation when the break is perfect, you can just glue it back on. Um, that being said, I would, 
I would never be crazy enough to say that nothing could change. Sure, of course. Could it change the way the, the, the neck resonates where the strings resonate and then the pickups could hear a little bit of that? Sure. It's, it's possible. It's one of those things, like I said, it's like, okay, so if Kirk Hammett, which who am I to, to argue with somebody who's actually made money as a professional musician? Um, I'm not going to sit there and say they're the crazy one that actually, if I'm betting on somebody, I'm going to bet on him being right than me. Um, but what I'm going to say is he, if he's hearing a difference, it's such a small difference that it's possible, you know, I don't know. The, the kick to this is for him to say that what would have to happen is he would have to have the guitar, own it for many years, know its sound. Cause that's what it is. Some guitars, like I know these two Ibanez's, believe it or not, sound massively different, not just because of pickups. They just sound different. They just got a different vibe to them. These two Ibanez's, uh, I was playing them earlier and I could literally, I just know this guitar I've had since 2007. I just know the way it sounds. No matter what I do with the pickups, I just know how it sounds and feels. So I would have to say, he'd have to know how it sounds and feels. And then when it broke the headstock and glued, know it was different, but it's an interesting subject. Of course, it's an interesting subject because it's the, the ultimate of our craziness. <laughs> Hey, guitars sound better when you break the headstock and glue them back on. I'll, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> I'm not breaking the headstock on my Les Paul and putting it back together. Uh, I'm not ta- <laughs> I, uh, I'm not that tone chasing crazy. Uh, like, oh, I really want a better sound on Les Paul. Let me crack that headstock and glue it. Uh, that's never going to happen. Even if you convinced me that it sounded better, I wouldn't do it. Not for the resale value, not for any reason. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so... Now that we went down that road, can I give you this one last thought on that? How can he tell over the wall pedal? <laughs> I just feel like if we're going to talk about him and not make a wall pedal joke, it kind of felt like we left it hanging out there wrong. I'm just kidding. By the way, I actually like his wall solos. <laughs> I always feel, so you know, when everybody makes fun of Kirk Hammett wall solos and wah and all the wah memes, which are I, I hilariously funny and I enjoy them. I always kind of feel a little like I'm laughing, like on the outside with everybody, like, ha, 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 yeah, wah solos are lame. But in my head, I'm thinking, but I love them so much. I do. I love wah. I don't know what it is. I think the first time I heard a wah pedal, I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever heard. And maybe it was right at the right age where to this day, even when somebody, I'm, I'm at a bar, it's happened to happen about two years ago. I was at a bar and some guy next to me, another guitar player who I didn't know really well, we were all talking and this guitar player was playing on stage and, he, and this guy goes, man, would well, that guy shut the hell up with the wall already? And I was thinking, I like his wall. I like where he's going with this wall. <laughs> but it, that's what I was thinking. You know what he did? Cause I was a chicken. I went, yeah, what's with that dude? His stupid wall. <laughs> But secretly, I was cheering the wall on. All right. So now we, so the anti wall people out there, we can't be friends, apparently. All right. Uh, <laughs> we have, uh, we have, what do we have? We have, uh, we have Tampa Blues says $5 is worth it to support the channel and your work. Thank you so much for the super chat. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. Obviously, it, it's, uh, very kind of you. Dan Brown says, do you have any stories about someone trying to sell you a fake or something that had issues and tried to hide the truth about it? Yeah, I have the worst fake uh, story of all time. 
Now, when I say that I don't, somebody's got a worse story, but I have a horrible fake story. Uh, I, I've told you this a thousand times. I'll tell it a thousand more. I wish I was smart. I'm not. I'm experienced because I've done so many stupid things and had so many stupid things done. And I just, I've learned from them. I had a guy come in my store uh, and he had a fake Chipson. This is when Chipsons were taken off. It's about 2005. Remember that? Like Pixie Licks did a video about it. He was kind of like the first, first guy. That's Steve from Boston for you new schoolers, you old schoolers. No, Pixie is Pixie Licks. Anyways, uh, Pixie was like kind of the, you know, the, the place, you know, where you would saw, saw that. And then of course, China Guitar Skeptic and uh, I think Nick in the States. And, and I apologize if there's, you know, other channels out there that kind of broke this kind of thing. And I'm not mentioning you, but you understand that's where it kind of came about. But the chips and thing, when it first happened, when all of a sudden there was like this thing that you could just buy uh, fake looking Gibsons, um, uh, it's, uh, it was kind of new. So a guy brought in a, a fake Gibson, a Chipson into the store and um, he wanted to trade it in. He wanted to sell it to us, trade it into the store. And I looked at it and, you know, like everybody, I kind of figured out it was fake, but he told me, he's like, oh, it's fake. And I was like, I looked at it, it was fake. And, you know, I hemmed and hawed over this stupid thing and, uh, and uh, uh, I took it on trade. I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, he was upfront about it, you know, right? So he traded into me. I think we gave him 150 bucks. So we tagged it for 250, right? So we tagged it for 250 bucks and we put a big sign on it. It was on the guitar stand on the floor because the nice guitars on the walls, the guitars, the cheaper guitars on the floor stands. And I put a big sign that says fake Gibson on it, 250 bucks. And I'll never forget this. A guy came in my store and he's like, what's wrong with this Gibson? And I'm like, it's fake. That's why it's got a big fake Gibson sticker uh, thing on it and <laughs> a sign. And uh, by the way, this is why I brand the guitars. That controversial video where I branded a, a fake guitar for a customer uh, and people get upset. I don't care if you get upset. Suck it. Uh, I brand the guitars for this reason. This happened. This is a horrible story to tell. So I was like, cause I, you know, anyways, the guy was like, I'll buy it. What's your best deal on it? I said, 200 bucks. So I make 50 bucks and I put on the receipt. Cause I'm thinking I'm trying to be smart on the receipt. It says fake Gibson guitar, not real. Right. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I do all this stuff. We even marked in the, uh, the cavity. This is why I mark on the outside. Now we marked in the cavity, fake Gibson guy leaves the store. A week later, another music store in town, the owner is talking to me. I forgot if he came in the store, if he called. But anyways, we're talking and he's like, oh, did you hear what happened when the store? And I said, what? And he goes, some guy came in and sold a Les Paul to my guys, told him how it was like this exclusive one. It was signed by like Jimmy Page. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And they gave him two grand for it. I'm like, really? It's fake. So he tells me about the guitar and I'm like, that was my guitar. That was the guitar I sold. It was fake. I said we marked in the cavity. It's faked. We marked on the cut on the, the 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 cover, the 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 back of the cover. We marked fake. The guy took the guitar home. I think we marked something inside the guitar too. Whatever the guy did at home, he's smart. He covered it. I and then he took the cover and replaced the cover. And they took it to the store and he conned them. I feel horrible. I told the owner, I go, I, I feel horrible. I've, dude, I've, to this day, you can see, I feel like crap. So anyways, that's why I brand them now. Because what I've learned is 
There's just no way of getting around that. You, I've learned, you know, I, I know it's excessive. I had so many people tell me in that video. Some people like say great. Some people say excessive. Look, man, that's some real money. I had, a, you know, obviously a small business owner like me. He was a small business owner. Giving somebody two thousand dollars that you just can set—it's like you just set fire to it, dude. That's that's a week's profits in a store like that. Um. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's my story about fake stuff. And so after that, now I won't. Uh, not only will we not take it on trade, but I wouldn't work on it, and I try to stay away from it. And and the guitar I did, the mayonnaise, <laughs> mayonnaise, the mayonnaise, the mayonnaise guitar that I did, uh, um, that I did where I branded it, that was for a customer of mine who who got screwed over, and I did that video. And uh, and so, like I said, that's why I brand them now. We brand them on the outside, inside, and we mark them any way we can, uh, to go. And, and if people have gotten better. So, you know, I keep seeing people. And so you, let's be all clear. I think it's cool. What I see some guys doing right now, I think it's the coolest thing. They're having these fake, uh, Gibsons and Ibanez's and fenders made, but then they're putting funny names or they're putting their last name or they're putting like, you know, I think that's great. Like I said, I, I love, I don't have any problem with guitars being cloned. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if somebody rips off Gibson or fender, um, I should, I just don't, you know what I mean? They're big companies. They're big boys. They can take care of themselves. Um, I just hate it when somebody else gets screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the, the person who's like, you know, saving up your money for a month or, you know, selling your favorite thing to buy something. Uh, it, it sucks. Um, that's just my opinion on it. Again, you can, I all have an opinion as well. We can all still get along. All right. Um, now we're going to go to, who are we going to go to? We're going to go to Andy. Okay, Andy. Andy says, Andy John says, looking at Princeton's or Tweed uh, 15 watt amps, in your opinion, do you get more paying for the boutique as opposed to the Fender production amps? Um, I I can't I can't say those particular amps, particular amps, I can't say if you know boutiques better. What I can tell you is I do have a 65 deluxe reverb uh, uh, circuit board and I have a 64 hand wired reverb. Uh that's boutique, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it, at the time they were double the price. Now they're, you know, not quite double. Um, it's a little better. I think that's the kick. That's the problem. They're always, it's better. Everything's better as you go up. Hand wired's a little better, I guess, right? It's, it's just got to matter to you. I did the same thing. I bought it. I don't regret it. Um, I don't think you ever regret buying quality if you can afford it. That's the best way I can put that. So if you're thinking about getting the more boutique version, remember, we're not talking about, do you need that? Absolutely not, man. There's no need in this. Do you want that? Well, if you want that, should you get it? If you can afford it, if it doesn't hurt the pocketbook, if it's not going to change your life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Buying quality will never, you'll never regret it. So Tinkerbell says, word up, brother. What's up, Tinkerbell? Says, uh, just got a Schecter Evil Twin. I love it. Cannot believe the difference stainless steel frets make. I don't know about tone, but glassy, smooth feel. Look, stainless, I agree. Arguments of stainless steel being brighter and not as warm as the nickel. Sure, there's some factors of that. Me personally, I think if somebody came in the middle of the night and refretted all my guitars with stainless steel frets, uh, I don't know if I'd wake up the next morning and plug them in the amps and go, what's going on? Why is this so bright? But I would sure feel that they feel great. Um, yeah, uh, I know some people say, why don't we just go to stainless steel altogether? Um, it's because I think the main reason, because it's an expense that, it's, that manufacturers don't have to do if... Not all of us are on board with them, but uh, like I said, I like them. I like stainless steel. 
I think I think biggest complaint I've heard about stainless steel that makes sense is when somebody's like, when you put them on vintage guitars, they just don't feel right. I don't know. I love the way they feel, man. Um, I try not to play too many stainless steel guitars. I have a few because of the fact, that, like I said, when you start playing something nice, <laughs> it feels nice when you bend. Then you play the the nickels. Um, what I do is I find I I find since I've owned started owning stainless steel guitars, I find I polish my nickel frets more. Hey, my dog's freaking out. All right. That means it's the end of the show when the dog freaks out. Frederick says, hey, Phil, what's your opinion on the American originals from Fender worth the 2K? Um, yeah. Yeah. I like them. The, you know, it's it's really a factor of two 2,000 bucks, a lot of bucks. It's actually 2,000 of them, to be honest with you. Um, um, yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's are they worth it over what though? I think that's the problem. Here's what I can tell you: uh, are are they great? I like them. Uh, are they on my radar? Probably, but also the made Mexico um, vintage guitars are also fantastic, and they they're nothing to snuff a to snuff, sneeze at. Um. Okay, and then I have a few more to get through. I know I said I'd end that way, but I'm trying to get through these. Like I said, please don't super chat because there's just otherwise this show will never end and I'll have to stop and then your super chat won't get answered. Um, and since I'm trying to fill the last part of the show with just the super chats to clear them out. Adam says, you'd think companies would want you to be honest so that there is gear. Uh, so if their gear has issues they didn't know about, they could fix it. I don't think companies want you to be dishonest. That's not what I'm trying to say. I don't think companies are only going to YouTubers that will be dishonest. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that here, here's what, here's an argument one, one side and another side of an argument you could have a youtuber saying i only tell people the truth i'm all i'm very honest about what i say and if a company wants to send me a product um they have to let me say what i want they're telling the truth they're not lying in that statement my argument is that companies aren't dumb either and they slowly figure out what you're going to critique and what you're not going to critique honesty isn't the problem I don't think any company is looking at my channel and going, we'd send Phil a guitar, but he's going to be honest about it. I don't think that's what they're saying. The problem is when I'm taking like nylon socks and rubbing them on their frets and taking things apart, you know, Trogley takes things apart too. There's a bunch of channels that start doing this stuff and they all can tell you. No company's going to them going, no one's telling you to your face, like calling you up going, we'd send you a guitar, but you're, 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 you're diagnosing too much stuff. What I'm seeing is, is if you look at, there's a trend, the companies look at that video and go, yeah, we don't need that crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we don't want you taking apart our stuff. You know what I mean? Why? What's the benefit? Um, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking what I'm thinking. The benefit is then when people, when you make good quality stuff, people see it, but that's the, that's the, the thing. So it's not about honesty thing. I think the issue I get pushed back lately on is they don't want you really getting into the guitar. You know what I mean? And if you look at the evolution of reviews, I think that's what it is. It's an evolution. For those smaller channels watching this uh, podcast or listening to it, uh, and you know, you're the future of YouTube, so to speak, the newer channels uh, with the new ideas as channels, you know, as this all evolves. Um, you have to understand, this is the evolution. When I started making videos on YouTube, I was following the path of the YouTubers before me. Uh, hey guys, here's a guitar. It's orange and I love it. And you should get one too. And then slowly that turns into, okay, well, let's look at how it sets, you know, how the setup is. I think the future of reviews on, uh, platforms are going to have to be, 
okay, guys, let's check out the pickups. Let's check out the action. Let's check out the frets. Let's let's go through the guitar. Let's diagnose it. You have to diagnose the guitar. I don't think everybody's looking. Uh, and not every channel has to do that, but somebody's got to do it. Because when you decide to make, look, let's take a guitar that's $1,000. That's a lot of money. All right, $500 is a lot of money. Let's take a $500 guitar. You got $500 right now and you think about buying a guitar this weekend, you're going to go on YouTube. You want to see one channel. Uh, it's 50. doesn't matter. Every category is 50 channels. But you want to see at least one channel show you how it sounds. Like, you want to see that. Like, I want to see Sean Tubbs take that guitar and make it sound like it's freaking amazing. And then go, yeah, yeah, if I could play like Sean Tubbs, I'd have... <laughs> but your brain doesn't say that. Thank God. It doesn't go, man, if I practice like Sean Tubbs, I'll sound like Sean Tubbs. No, it goes, if I get that that guitar, I'll sound like Sean Tubbs. Then the next video is going to be somebody uh, like me taking it apart. <laughs> And you're going to go, oh, well, there's some issues there I don't like. And there's some things I'm okay with. And like I said, it's, it's going to go, you know, you watch four or five videos and you get a sense. And then you're going to try and watch at least one, I hope, one channel where the guy's like, um, hey, um, it's going to be like this. Ready? Uh, uh, hey, hold on, guys. Hey, anyways. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd make a video. I just got this today at Guitar Center. Hold on. Um, hold on a second. Okay. And um, yeah, so let me tell you why I bought this. And because you know why? Because that guy's got no skin in the game. That guy just wants to share. Or I say guy, you understand what I mean, person. So that person, they just, they're not selling you the guitar. They're not trying to hype it. They're not trying to diagnose it. They're not trying to do anything. They're just sharing a moment with you. I, I do the same thing like we all of us. I watch the, the guy demo it to see how good it is. I watch somebody take it apart. So I see how good the quality is. I see somebody tell me their, their opinion of how they experienced it. And then from that, I go, eh, I think this is the right guitar for me. And I go, I move forward. Um, and, and that's how it is because like I said, we have changed the game. We, as a society, we used to try it and then buy it. Now we buy it to try it. And if you have a budget, like a normal person, you need to calculate how you spend your money. It, it's just, it's like, I, you know, the God bless every single one of you watching that just has an infinity budget. Good for you. You made it. You did it. Whatever it is you're doing, you're doing great. The rest of us, 500 bucks this weekend, it takes hours of deliberation to, to let that money leave the account. And that's why what, what we need. <laughs> so uh, Wendell says, I'll never sound 10% as good as, uh, as Tubbs. Absolutely. But still, doesn't matter. At least we know what the guitar can do, right? Um, so uh, and, and, and so that's the, the point. A lot of you guys, and now you're talking about Trogly, some good, some bad. Here, here's the deal. It's not about anything like that. You have to understand what, what he's doing that's smart, uh, Trogly, is he's looking through the guitars, that becomes what has to start happening. Here's why. Here's why I believe this. This is just my opinion. I believe that if you're going to be a professional reviewer, you're going to have to start looking at guitars in detail. Here's why. Because that starts taking away the, 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 uh, the corruption value, right? Look, I'm going to tell you this right now, just so you know, to give you a great analogy. AMS sent me a guitar. I'm going to do a video of it. They set it up, the guitar. It's written on the box. I'm going to tell you, they're not dumb. They're not dumb. That guy, they're not a dumb company. They're like, sure, Phil, we'll send you the guitar. And they set the guitar up. In the video, I disclosed that. Not only did they sent the guitar, but they set it up. They set it up because they know I'm going to go through it. Here's the thing. You're going to have to now discount the fact that 
your guitar is not going to come set up. But, so it's disclosed to you, but it's also, you don't have to go, oh man, that's horrible. How do they send that out? Because <laughs> I don't know about you guys, as much as I think it sucks that they're going to set up guitars for YouTubers to be better, I'm always confused why they don't do it. Because then don't you think, I don't know about you, if I watch, I'm trying to pick on a good YouTuber, um, good, like big channel. Uh, you know what? I'll pick a friend because it's good. Marty Schwartz. He's got a million subscribers, two million subscribers. If Marty Schwartz gets a guitar and he pulls out of the box, he's like, this is horrible. Isn't, isn't your first thought is, and they knew it was going to him and he was going to make this video. So obviously whatever they send you is going to suck. <laughs> I love it when somebody goes, Phil, you're, you said it was good, but you said it, they knew it. They were sending it to you. I'm like, right. So you should discount that. Like if they sent it to me and it was perfect, then you're not going to get perfect because you're not making a video that gets 100,000 views. You're going to get slightly less than perfect. That would be what I would do if I was you. I would discount that. When I get a guitar and it's like, man, this thing sucks. You should go, holy crap. They don't care that it's going to be presented to people like that. What does that tell you? So... <laughs> So anyways, all right. All right. So now we got to finish up because we're never going to finish this. These live shows just keep going and going. Uh, it's the ever ready, ever ready bunny. Uh, okay. We have, uh, we have Adrian. Adrian says, Hey Phil, hope you're doing good. Just picked up an American select mahogany Stratocaster. It's killer. Ever try a mahogany Strat man. Yes. And yes, they are fantastic. Um, you have a great guitar. I don't know what it is. I don't know why about strats and mahogany. Um, they made a mahogany Strat, uh, deluxe, I believe that, uh, was slightly thinner. It was like an eighth of an inch, not even a quarter inch. I think it was eighth of an inch thinner body. It was mahogany. Fender made it. And I want to say 2014 ish, somewhere around that time. Uh, my buddy David bought it and, um, I wanted it so bad. <laughs> he still has it. Uh, and um, so, yeah. And I don't know what it was. I don't know. Like I said, in the argument of Tonewood debate, could it be the pickups were warmer? Could it be the the miracles of just everything else and not the the wood, the Tonewood? Sure. But I just, I played. So what I'm trying to tell you is I played that one mahogany body Strat and I remember thinking it was one of the best Strats I've ever played. So uh, sound wise, it had warmer tone. Um so there you go. Uh, so yeah, good, good, good on you. I like the American select mahogany Stratocaster. I like the idea of that. I think they should make strats out of all kinds of woods to see how it goes. Um, Wutek says, Hey Phil, hope you're doing well. Everybody says, I hope I'm doing well. I'm doing fine. See me right here. I understand that's like, now that's how we have to do emails. Every time I'm responding to companies, I'm like, I hope you're safe and well. It's like the new etiquette. You can't be like, I, I don't know about you guys. Do you do this? You go, Hey Lisa. <laughs> and then you go, oh crap. And you go, delete, delete, delete. And you go, hi, Lisa. I hope you're safe and doing well. Or, hey, Lisa, I hope you're safe. <laughs> right? Uh, anyways, <laughs> and so it's a weird time. Anyway, so I uh, hope you're doing well, is what he said. Could you talk about the difference between classic PRS push pull coil split and the new mini toggle coil split? Uh, that is the difference in tone and, and technology. Um, I don't think the switch has anything to do with anything. I don't know. I'd have to watch some of their, their videos. I, as far as I know, that's not a factor. The mini toggle switches are about individuality. So the everything that's in play with the old push-pull pots is the same. So they're using the same capacitors, uh, resistors, whatever stuff that's in there. The guts are still the same. Everything's the same. The main difference, though, is that on the push-pull pot, 
they had two terminal, two rows of terminals, and they would attach both pickups to those terminals. And so pushing or pulling the pot uh, would basically make the both pickups coil split or not coil split, right? Okay. Uh, you know, that makes sense. Uh, so adding them switches was about individual individuality, two pots. They could, or two switches. They could have just put volume and tone push-pull pots and had two, I mean, companies do that, like Schecter does that. They'll have two push-pull pots so they can do that same thing. But, so that's the main thing. I don't think uh, the, the tune capacitance inductance thing has to do with how they're winding the pickups in their theory of this, not so much anything different in the guts of the electronic side of the guitar, not in the guitars that I've opened up. And as you've seen, I've opened them up all, all of them. There's nothing dramatically different in a PRS 2020, uh, mini toggle switch, uh, 2408, uh, that I've looked inside the guts that is different than let's say a 20, a custom 24, 2015 unit, in the what treble blade they're using, what resistors you're using, everything seemed the same. Just uh, the switches are about having the the being separate. You can do the just the neck pickup or just the bridge. Um, I think I've said this a million times. I I, I literally every strat or strat every PRS I own, I go in and I cut, I disconnect the bridge. Uh, coil split wires from the switch. So none of my PRSs have the ability to coil split the bridge. So when I push pull a, a, on my guitars, I'm only doing the neck pickup because I never play single coil bridge, as I've said earlier today. <laughs> so I only play single coil on the neck. Uh, Charles did a just because super chat. And then, uh, thank you. And then, uh, Dewan, Dewan Gay. I'm going to say Dewan Gay. Dewan Gay says just ordered a pair of, uh, knife. <laughs> Can see you, small you, big N. I it's the confi, confi. It's not knife. It's confi, confi. I think that's the actual pronunciation. The confi W R H B to put in the Squire Stratocaster. Do you think Fender will keep making them? So the confi pickups are those extra wide pickups. They are made different. Um, on that, there's uh, some videos out there where some uh, chum channels have gone through the pickups uh, of them. I, I'm a little slow to the game on the whole, you know, I didn't f discover the magic of those pickups. You know, one day I just, you know, it's a uh, things that pass by. I think they sound great. Um, do I think Fender will keep making them? I think Fender will make them as long as there's profit in it. <laughs> That's exactly how that goes. So as long as they're making enough money uh, doing them, they'll do them. And then when it slows down, Fender kind of business model seems to mirror the Apple business model of once the sales slow down, they stop making it and take it away and come up with a new thing. Because again, they're trying to maintain the sales. So um, good pickups though. Um, but so, you know, I've heard other companies make pickups that sound just like them that aren't the size and all that stuff. So I don't know. Good stuff though. Congratulations on the new pickups. Uh, Chuck in music. Hey, Chuck. He says, hey, Phil. Uh, thanks for the advice about buying on Craigslist. I got the Mesa. So he's talking about last week we talked about he was concerned about buying the Mesa Fillmore uh, on Craigslist. And I said, hey, what I, what I would do is is read the person, not the product, because he wanted to make sure. He says, by the way, I drove uh, I drove dump trucks for five years. All right, Chuck. You got to tell me one time. Uh, no one cares, right? <laughs> Like what I'm telling you, so I'm telling you, since you drove dump trucks for five years, I I'm being a hundred percent honest about this statement. When I said that at the coffee shop, when I said I drive a dump truck and I just, cause I pulled it out of my ass, I remember thinking like, Oh, that's the worst thing to say. Driving a dump truck is so cool. They're going to want to talk to me about it. And I'm gonna have to make up all this stuff about dump trucks now. And then they're like, Oh, 
<laughs> and then it's like, oh, so so I'm curious. Was that a fluke? Did I luck out? Or like when you tell people you drive dump trucks, they're like, oh, where are they? Like, you know, how dangerous is that? Is there a lot of dirt? What do you do? You know, because when I think of dump trucks, sometimes I think of those big ass trucks that are just crazy. So let me know sometime. Jim says, I need a trim bridge guitar that is not Floyd or Kaler down to Ibanez SA or USA Performer Strat thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, you just need a tremolo bridge. You don't need a, like a whammy bar. See, to me, that like when you're thinking Floyd Kaler, Ibanez, that's a whammy bar. That's a, you know, waka, 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 like Fozzie Bear. You can just, you know, go crazy with it. Um, a tremolo is like what a Strat does. And it's, you know, I, even though, you know, it's vibrato, it's the same thing. It's just a little bit of, a little bit of, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> like my sound effects. Uh, so my thoughts, uh, if you want a whammy bar, get the Ibanez SA. Uh, that's, that's, you have to decide there's, and I know that seems subtle, but it is different. Like when I grab one of these guitars, this is full on eighties in your face, whammy bar action. This is, this is a whammy bar. Like we call them all tremolos, but literally that's a whammy bar, <laughs> right? Um, and a strat has a tremolo, right? Okay. So there you go. Um, Fox and the Hound says a little something for the Sal <laughs> to impress the baristas with. Um, back up the dumper. <laughs> That's funny, buddy. That's good. Uh, Craig says, uh, hey, Phil, can you recommend some super lightweight locking tuners for a neck-heavy SG? Does uh, does it being lefty matter? Uh, no, the, the direction lefty doesn't matter. Um, the... Uh, the, I tried, I messed with this. It depends. Here's what I need to know. Here's what, you, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to do some guesses. Okay. I have to, if you have clues on style tuning keys on your SG, you are screwed. Okay. It's just over for you. So I'm just letting you know right now, as someone who's de been down this neck heavy SG road, uh, clues on style keys, there's not a whole lot of keys that are going to be lighter than those. So you have to hope, or I'm hoping for you that you have Grover's. The Grover's are die cast. They're heavy as hell. It's like putting six Hot Wheels stuck to your headstock. It's just, it's, it's just, uh, it's a lot. Maybe Matchbox cars, old school Matchbox. Anyways, um, if they are the Grover's, then here's what I would do. Even though it's a direct replacement to put locking Grover's on them, please don't put locking Grover's on them. They're just too heavy. What I would do is get the ump plates and get the, um, the, uh, open gear ultralight hip shots. You can go with other brands, you know, but you're asking me. So, I mean, you can obviously Google and find brands too, but that's what I would suggest. If you go with that, the great tuners, they'll, they'll go on unmarring. You don't have to worry about jacking up your, your, uh, your headstock to put them on. That's what I would uh, suggest for that. And then you can go on their website and f they show you which ones you need. BK says an encounter. Oh, encountered this week. Fluence Fishman actives can be out of phase to each other when they are in different uh, revisions. Oh, Fishman confirmed this in an email. Info is not on their website. Buyers watch out if buying used or mix and match pickups. That, that actually doesn't shock me. Uh, because anytime that's the problem with anytime they encapsulate the pickup in all kinds of epoxy and seal it and stuff, we don't know. I mean, I have a tester. I have a way to test it. Uh, you can get one of those, uh, I forget what they call it. It's, um, it's a magnet. I mean, you just use a magnet, but I mean, I have a little magnet tester that I've used. It has a name. I think it's Chet something. <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember what it is. It's just this tube thing. That's cool. But, um, yeah, it's good to know. Good to know out there, but not shocked to hear that at all. 
Okay. Uh, Cirrus Lee says, uh, because Phil is just all right. All right. Thank you. And then the last uh, super chat of the day, last question we're going to end with today is John says, hey, Phil, been watching for a year. First time caller. Are there drop-in locking tuners for the SE Pulse guitar? Yes, absolutely. On my, uh, I, 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 obviously, as I'm trying to, like I said, the evolution review, improve the reviews in the SE's Paul guitar, I did not do this for you. So I did this on the Zach Myers. If you go to the Zach Myers review video, the tuning keys on the Zach Myers are the same style tuning keys that are on the Paul's guitar. So in there, I suggest the, uh, I think it's the go to locking Cluson style keys. But here's what I know I say it in that video and I put a link in that in there in that video, and those are the same keys, and you'd be fine. So that John, that's my suggestion for you on that. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure it's the Godo Cluson style locking keys. If you Google that, they'll come right up and they'll direct fit in. They're also the basically the same style ones I put on the uh, Tyler Larson Sharp of My Axe on his guitar. Because what's on Paul's guitar SE is essentially a Cluson style key. So that's what you want. Direct replacement, pretty easy. Um, but pay attention to that link in that video, Zach Myers PRSSE, because the link takes you to, I can't remember the top of my head, if it was the compression fit top, I think it was versus the screw on top for the top of the tuning keys. And so whatever I put the link in is the right one. And I'm pretty sure it's compression fit. And what's great about that is you shouldn't have to pull. This is my tip to you. You shouldn't have to pull the old compression fits fit, uh, fit off. You just use the original ones that you have already. So you're just going to take out a screw, take out the back key, put in the new key, do it all up, you'll be good to go. There you go, John. Great guitar, by the way. PRS, SE, Paul's. The Paul's guitar is one of my favorite PRSs, for sure. All right. Two hours and 700 hours later, we even lost like 100 of you towards the last 20 minutes. <laughs> you guys are the diehards. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Stick it to the end. Who, who, who are you guys and why are you so cool? All right. Thank you guys so much for hanging out uh, this week. We didn't even get to talk about the NAMM show numbers. The NAMM show thing wasn't even a part of the show. So that'll have to be removed out of the title. We'll talk about that uh, <laughs> next week. As always, I will see you next Friday. It is 3 p.m. Uh, I don't know what it is. This 3 p.m. is I'm on California time. What is that? Pa oh, I think this is specific daylight time, which is mountain standard time. Uh, there you go. I hope that helps. <laughs> Sorry. I live in a weird state that doesn't like daylight savings time. As always, I'll let you guys go. Thank you so much until next week. Thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>